Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Today's Sunday session is brought to you thanks to the fine folks at More Beer. Visit them right now at morebeer.com. people to believe in me and i want people to believe me when they taste my beer that's what it's about you mean you laid underneath it and tried to put his Absolutely. tongue up the bung <laughs> i like to actually scoop up the yeast uh-huh. and look at it seven o'clock came real early that next morning oh, yeah man thanks for dumbing that down for us you did an awesome job it's all about food and you beer punch me in the junk man that thing was thick the point is just beat it like it's your dick i like to smell it <laughs> afterwards are you being sarcastic no. right now yeah. bring your body armor i ran in my jungle once on a ball valve on a kettle <laughs> That's a true happy ending. Now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome to The Session. I'm your host, Justin Crosley. With me today... Mr. Jason J.P. Petros. Hello. Hi. hi. Still often confused as me when I'm out in public. It happened uh, this past week. Did it really? Uh, Start talking to me for... uh, Well, hang on. Uh, we got Tasty here. we got Beardy here. uh, Bevo is here as well. But yes, I'm talking to me for like a long time, you know, and no indication that they didn't know I I wasn't you until (laughs) they they finally were like, oh, and, uh, you know, I haven't seen you in a long time. I've heard you're married. (laughs) Oh. Oh, and I was like, been that a long time. I was like, whoa, uh, that that is a rumor. And, uh, <laughs> Conspiracy theory on Reddit, dude. Yeah, that is not even a, a well-founded uh, rumor. And he couldn't. No. He's like, no, no, no. And I was like, no, seriously, I'm not. You know, I'm not married. Nah, you're just you're you're messing with me. And it took a while. I was like, finally, I had to be like. Listen, I, I don't know that I'm the type of person that will ever get... I had to get personal with it. Like, I, I, I don't know that it's in the stars for me. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, a rumor like that comes out of nowhere. You must be talking about JP. Right. Oh, you're not JP. <laughs> right. he, he must not be current because oh. he didn't also ask about Alice. Right. You yeah. just got married, according he, to him. He, he admitted that that he's not current, that he yeah. just oh, hasn't right. seen us in a while, and I don't. I just was, yeah. it was a whole thing. But that happens a lot. The, when, the JP you, and J confusion. That's true. Mm. Yeah. Uh, once you told him that, did he just 
spin and pivot on the heel of his foot and then walk, <laughs> walk it, backwards? It did end the conversation. <laughs> he didn't have much more to say after that. And I you said, know, listen, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I, you know. Well, you know what? I, I didn't know that it happened. Uh, but I, at least it's not people getting me, John Plisse, and John Palmer confused anymore. Uh, okay, I, think, right. I don't think that happens Too many anymore. JPs. Right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's interesting. All yeah. right. Was he nice to it's, us? Uh, he, he liked you more than you like me because <laughs> once he realized it was me, Get the conversation ended. It was over. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was it. Uh, maybe he was I, too nervous. Uh, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's Justin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, no, I think he was more like, I think I made it awkward because I yeah. had to be like, listen, you know, my dad's been divorced eight times. Uh, <laughs> I just, you know. <laughs> make your case. Uh, right. Yeah. So he probably was like, I got to get out of this bathroom. Yeah. It, it all happened in the bathroom. <laughs> right. so. Some of the best conversations <laughs> I've ever had with fans have been in the bathroom. <laughs> Some of the, uh, most of the conversations I have with fans happen in the bathroom. For, there's something disarming about the bathroom you know at, at the great america beer festival wherever pe- people could see me all over mm-hmm. but most people say hello when i'm taking a leak yeah you know, I, it's, it's, I don't know that it's disarming i think it's you're trapped <laughs> and so <laughs> they they can talk to you all they want until you're done that yeah and can escape that might yeah. be more accurate that's why the bathroom is it's it's a honey pot really it attracts <laughs> you and then they mm. go i got you yeah can't leave now that's pretty much yeah. how it went down. great for comfortable conversation <laughs> that's right strangers good atmosphere yeah well, uh, had a interesting weekend. What'd you do? Well, we did the first round judging of our Melvin More Beer and Brewing Network National Club competition. Oh, that's right. nice. That's right. We had uh, just under 70 clubs from around the country Damn. enter into the competition. And, one per uh, club? Uh, one one per entry club. per club? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's not like the long shot where every single home brewer in America got to enter. This was a club competition. Okay. Uh, we judged the first round. I'll tell you more about that. Um, and, and what happens now is we... We narrowed down that field of uh, just about 70 clubs into six finalists. And all six of those final clubs will get their beer brewed by Melvin and put into cans and all sent six? to their local market, just oh, wow. their local markets. They get to have a party for being a finalist. Cool. And then at Homebrew Con and the Brewing Network 14th anniversary party, mm-hmm. we will choose and announce the winning club. It'll uh-huh. get down to one one winner. So during the week of Homebrew Con, people will have the chance to vote on their favorite of the six. And then at our BNA 14 party on the Saturday after Homebrew Con, which uh, got a great venue, it's going to be a good party, uh, we will announce the winner. And the winner gets brewed again by Melvin, but distributed nationally. To, cool. to everywhere that they send beer. The beer also will get entered into the Great American Beer Festival Pro-Am competition. The winning club will also win a more beer brewing sculpture, one of their brew sculptures. Uh, there will be a party at the Great American Beer Festival for the winner, so it's kind of, it's it's a whole thing. It's a thing. Uh, now, some of you clubs might be saying, as you're listening now, well, why didn't I hear about this? <laughs> uh, we did have some of that happen. Um, you know, Melvin came to us uh, with the idea, and it, we just had to get to it. It was a little late, uh, but we we got the word out as best we could. I still think we got a great uh, reaction, but with having 70 clubs enter like that. No, that's big, dude. Yeah, mm-hmm. for a first year. Uh, so I was really pleased with the turnout. 
And then Tasty and Randy came out to help us with all the judging. Thank you for that, Tasty. Sure. Uh, we got uh, a lot of local judges, including our very own uh, Brian Cooper. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to John Watson, who organized the whole thing, a great club organizer, and really helped us do that. Got all the judges together. Uh, all of the judges did the first round of the first round. It was a best-in-show style competition. That's the way to go, man. You yeah. know, no for, one needs notes at that level. Well, and we are still going to send them notes. They're, oh, it's good. just a little pared down because they weren't <laughs> judged like to style. Right. Uh, right. Now, clubs could enter the style of... They could, they could give us that information, the, yeah. the style of beer that they brewed. Yeah. But we were still... Even if it was outside of style, we weren't knocking points off for that. You just we go were choosing the best the beer. The best one, right, right, right. And that was something Melvin was really interested in. They didn't really care too much about styles. and uh, Yeah. So I, I said, that's that, fine, but they're still useful in a judging format to, to, to help the judges know what they're tasting. And so, you know, we, they were allowed to give that information. Uh, so of the first round, I think it was 68 entries, something, somewhere, somewhere uh, right in there. You were one short um, of the best number. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I'll double check. Maybe we did it. Uh, <laughs> They then passed along uh, 13 beers to the final table, and I got to be a judge on the final table. Oh, there you go. You got roped into that. uh, Well, and I haven't judged a beer in... 10 years like, yeah. i mean it's been a while and I, now those of you who entered let me just put this out there so you don't, <laughs> so you don't get nervous um i made sure the type of judging that would happen in that final panel before i agreed for example if i had to really score the beer and write down if there was diacetyl or any other off flavor and i said I- i'm not your guy i don't mm-hmm. i don't think i'm qualified to do that and i don't want to hurt anybody but uh that's not how it went and we were able to all sit at the table it was a bit more like a great american beer festival or, or world beer cup type of judging yeah. where us uh five judges actually discussed all of the beers and got to just, you know, talk about their merits and their faults together um, and and then pick the winners. I was kind of proud of myself that uh, we did taste them all first together without yeah. talking about them. Right. And we went ahead and picked the ones that we thought would go forward and the ones that would not. I'm all sorry. Privately. Well, remind me again. How many was the pool that you had to... to Thirteen. And then you had to send through... Six. Okay. So, you know... That's pretty good. You're cutting you know, 50, it a little 50, bit more 50, than half. Yeah. yeah. With the exception of one beer... I was spot on with all the other judges, including including Brian Cooper, who, uh, you know, he's a grandmaster poobah. Highly autistic beer judge, that's for sure. And uh, again, uh, with the exception of one beer, uh, I was spot on with with what we all... Now, I'll also say all the beers were really good. Now, I don't know about all 68. I I didn't call it, you know, call the list down from there. Right. But all 13 that they passed on were just great beers. What styles dominated? You know, they were all across the board. Uh, really? You know, they, right. there was an American light lager that went oh, into wow. the finals, um, all the way up to this beer that I didn't pick. <laughs> <laughs> this was the one where I was the uh, I was the dissenting voice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because it's a real strange style. Tasty, do you even remember what that thing was called? You weren't there right at the finals. Uh, <sighs> I might have noticed it in the uh, it, it has something to do with this new type of yeast. Oh, the Quebec, Quebec yeast? Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's very weird. weird. <laughs> and so the beer was brewed 
It was fermented at 95 degrees. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, didn't taste like that to me. Like, if you had brewed a Saison at 95 degrees, I probably could have told you. Yeah. It didn't have that. It just was strange to me. I think it has lacto in it, doesn't it? Traditionally. Mm. It, it is kind of a... It, this didn't. I think it's kind of a buggy Brett lacto one of the two. Well, at least I could have tasted it. I, think, I, I, I could be totally wrong, but... It, I, I couldn't taste it if it did. Yeah. There wasn't anything wrong with the beer. I just found it strange enough that, I mean, look, I'm I'm picking fifty fifty here of the beers that I have, and it yeah. was like to me, it just. But that one went on. Okay, and that's the only one I can tell you that went on. I think they're giving the announcement today. But if you brew, if you're listening and you brewed a ninety five degree. From, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. in the finals. Good yeah. to you. And I didn't vote for you. <laughs> yeah, so fuck off. Yeah, it's, it is it is weird. It's kind of the new hotness. We had one on Dr. Homebrew a couple months ago. Okay. And it, I didn't really – I felt the same way. It was almost like a watery – like um, uh, like a watery Sam Adams mm. where it was kind of malty with like some crystal malt, but it just it, – the flavor was weird. And I don't know if it was just my palate has never really had something like that. Right. Or if it was a really good beer. I I still don't even really know. Well, this beer was a very yellow beer, but not clear. It looked more – it look, did look like a Saison. Hmm. Um, and, and I can't even describe its flavor to you, to be honest. I should have taken better notes so I could, but uh, I don't – I just didn't – it was the one that I missed. It wasn't I, bad. Yeah. It just wasn't hitting hitting your spot. Correct. Yeah. And yeah. the other judges found it interesting enough that they felt, well, this should move on. It's an interesting beer, and there was yeah. nothing wrong with it. So um, right. good luck, Melvin, if that's like the winner <laughs> winner. <laughs> you know, if that's the beer that people choose. Yeah. Uh, I'll say I've uh, never seen a Quebec style on a beer board anywhere. Right. So yeah. it well, would be interesting. Could happen. If it wins. Sort of yeah. coming on the scene. Yeah. Yeah. The few I've had have just tasted like Belgians that have been fermented too warm. It didn't hmm. taste kind of like in, that. in general. Yeah, this didn't have those thi- That would have made me boot it as well. Mm-hmm. But no, it wasn't anything like that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't anything obvious. It ju- I just found it to be strange. Uh, but anyhow, you could see it in the nationwide if it wins. That's cool. But... I had a lot of fun on that final panel. It was Good. cool to judge. You know, we just lined up the 13 beers, and I made, you know, a few notes about what I was tasting in different ones, and I could tell which ones were, like, my early favorites, and mm. then, you know, ultimately just had to had to go ahead and pick six, and then I was pleased to find that I was picking the, the, the great beers that the other judges were doing. Yeah. Um, so now you're a grandmaster by association. I think so. That's, yeah. what, that, that, that's the point. Minimum. I'm minimum. Yeah. minimum. Yeah. 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 At minimum. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we had a good time. Uh, you can stay tuned for more details on what happens with that. Uh, I think they're going to post some of the photos and different content we took on social media so you can kind of see it. And then you can play along in June when we go to HomebrewCon. That'd be cool. And do the whole thing. But, nice. um, but yeah, I, I do want to thank all the judges who, who, who took their time to come out and do that. And, you know, it does give you an appreciation for these competitions. How so? Well, the uh, it's a lot of effort to get them organized. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, those judges, I was watching them. I was taking some video and photos. I'm watching them, you know, do that whole first round. And they're serious about what they do. Oh, oh almost too serious, I think. Sometimes yeah. serious to a fault. And it's like, wow, this is very – like nobody's going to die. It's right. not life or death. But you treat it like that. And yeah. I think that shows the respect for the home brewer on the other end. Yeah, if you're that serious about it, you're respecting that person's time and effort that they put into making this beer get 
into your glass. Exactly that. And you can tell that they feel a sense of responsibility to those brewers that they spent time to do this, and they're going to spend the time to accurately evaluate it. And so, yeah, my first thought was, God, why why does anybody do this? (laughs) Uh, Me too. At 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I know. I hate it. But then I realized, you know, based on the amount of time that they were taking is... They do it because they really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm thankful for that, that they spent their time. So, so for me, I'm just I'm so grateful that. But I can also tell that it's something that a certain type of person enjoys. Yeah, <laughs> and, the, and these judges. If you like trains, you're going to be a great beer judge. Yeah, oh, yeah. right, tasty. Like you I'm can tell that those guys enjoy what they're doing. No, they're very serious, very professional about it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, most of them are home brewers themselves, so they're sure pretty much you know. Appreciate. They know exactly who they're judging it for. Mm-hmm. If they were the home brewer, they'd want it judged correctly as well. So. Yeah. So that was. I don't know. That just was nice to see. It was fun to watch them do all of that, and yeah. then uh, and then to get to do the final round. I enjoyed myself. It, it definitely takes a certain personality. You know, when I became a beer judge, and I I did the Sam Adams long shot competition one time. Hmm. I thought we were done after two flights. They were like, all right, we're done. I'm like, oh, cool, God. All right, hey, thanks, everybody. I'm like going around. They're like, oh, you're not going to stay. I'm like, what do you mean stay? Right. Like for the <laughs> for the second half. I'm like. They were Bro, like I'm ha- I, I can't. My palate is done. I don't have. I mean, you know, and it all, a lot of it comes with training. Like Brian Cooper just became grandmaster. Okay. So on, uh, he's co-host of Doctor Homer, by the way. So him yeah. and Brian Shaw are both grandmaster judges, which is top of the top, top of the top, right? Yeah. And then you get ranks of grandmaster one, two, and three. So they've been around it, and and they even get tired. But it's they they love the analytical side. A yeah. lot more than I do, and I think that's what really pushes these these kind of these people, these beer judges, good beer judges. Right, I will say you can just be an average beer judge and just get the points because you're just doing a lot of comps. Yeah, but Cooper, especially, I mean, he he goes nuanced, man. He'll take a long time, fifteen minutes to fill out a sheet, twenty minutes sometimes, because he wants to give you those notes, and that's what makes a really good beer judge. Yeah, it's invaluable. Because, yeah, because they they look at that as yeah valuable content because they're going to get delivered to you, and you as a home brewer are going to be like oh. Okay, yeah, I could I could do that and you know you kind of yeah. it's more I think it's maybe sometimes 40% education, 60% feedback. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they they were comprehensive. Yeah. Speaking of of you know your experience and then like getting drunk after after two rounds. Yeah. That's something I realize has changed about me and my palate in the 10 years since I've I've judged something. Uh, the last thing I judged it wasn't even a competition. It was for Celebrator uh, Beer News. Oh, the tasting and notes. It I was think, a right? tasting or something. Like yeah, that? yeah, it was a panel like that. And I remember at the time I, they kept having to refill my glasses. It was like six. Um, and it wasn't because I was chugging, but I just sure. I kept, in order for me to dial in what I was tasting, I just kept having to take gulps of this beer. And they yeah. were all done. And I'm like, is there any more of that one? Is there any? Well, this time around, I barely touched them. I mean, okay. it, I, it was a, a couple of sips out of each one. They, they probably poured me uh, not more than three or four ounces. And I think half of each one was still there when we were done judging. Wow. So I just was, a, I could tell that I was able to, uh, first of all, put a smaller amount on my palate as mm-hmm. opposed to a, a gulp. <laughs> yeah. And then second of all, uh, you know, hone in on what I was tasting faster. Yeah. So I 
it was kind of a bummer. I didn't even have a buzz afterward. <laughs> I had 13 <laughs> beers in front of me, and I, you know. You're like, oh, geez. You know, know what? Yeah. Uh, I, I guess that's the benefit to smoking. It kills half of your tongue, that, so you only need to cover half. The other half. Yeah, right. That's it, probably it. It, it kills the, it's like, it's like drinking in brain cells. Uh, yeah. Smoking right. kills the bad taste buds. Right. right. So there's only the good ones left. It's well, and I made them set my table up outside so I could smoke as I was doing. <laughs> uh, so. I actually blew smoke into the glass before I drank it. Right. right. So it's weird. Every beer had hints of tobacco <laughs> and cancer right which i wrote in the notes back to the brewer <laughs> yeah you might want to remove the cancer lay off 10 percent less cancer please. <laughs> yeah that'd be good so well that's cool i mean that's gonna make fun. you feel good to to yeah. kind of get back into it as it were and the whole analytical side instead of the appreciation side well yeah and at least to uh, find some notable evolution of, <laughs> of, of myself i often yeah. think well here i am 14 years later i'm doing the same old thing yeah. uh but no there was some notable evolution of my palate so right. well cool. be careful now because now you've just basically opened up the floodgates for people to bring mm-hmm. you their beers at nhc oh yeah, yeah. and actually expect something other than that's good. Right. Yeah. It's not body temperature. It's good. That's true. So watch out. I will. All right. Let's get through some announcements real quick. And announcements are brought to you today by Drake's Brewing Company. You can go to drinkdrakes.com and check it out. Uh, they make one of my favorite pale ales, as you know, the 1500. But there's a whole lot of other good beers in there. They make a, they're one of the only uh, craft breweries I know of. Uh, they're still making a, a, a great Hefeweizen, as a matter of fact. I'm not saying oh, wow. nobody else makes a Hef, but yeah. you don't often see that in the lineup anymore, and you can find that <laughs> still over at Drake's. Uh, they got their Kickback IPA, uh, Aromacoma uh, IPA, and, and you name it. Uh, they, they got a whole lot of beer there. So go to drinkdrakes.com and um, check them out. So, All right. Well, I've been telling you about all our new shows. Just going to tell you again, Entre Cervezas, our new Spanish-speaking podcast, is out there. It's a great program uh, for those of you uh, in the Spanish-speaking speaking world or your friends uh, send it to them uh, we've got our craft marketing show shine runner craft marketing and mark over there is doing a good job at getting a, uh, a lot of information out there to you professional brewers of course we've got jp and beardy's show heads and tails our yes. distilling show our craft distilling uh, program that's right last episode uh, came up on friday okay yes fact, yeah, yeah. Um, and then our all new show the hop and brew school podcast which i'm really proud of we're getting some good content done there i uh, just posted another one of those this week uh, about blending different hops, uh, which was pretty good. And we're recording a bunch more this week. I know that we're doing a sour beer and hops show with uh, Jay Goodwin from the Rare Barrel and Vinny Chalurzo from Russian River are both going to be on that. So uh, be on the lookout for that one in the, in the coming weeks. Check, check out all our shows over on thebrewingnetwork.com. Our, our 10th annual Spring Brews Festival is almost upon us. It's happening Saturday, March 30th from noon to 4. Tickets are on sale. You can get them at thebrewingnetwork.com. Uh, I do recommend you go over there and, and you don't wait. I mean, most of you wait till the last week, but our early bird $40 <laughs> tickets are going to be sold out by then. I can tell you already and then the the ticket the price goes up to 50 bucks so get in there early uh save yourself a little cash uh at the brewing network.com for our spring brews festival drake's by the way is a sponsor of that so is the sponsor of today's show more beer they're one of our Spring Brews Festival sponsors. And More Beer wants to change your malt game with Viking Malt. Hailing from Northern Europe, Viking Malt is a family-owned malt house since 1883 and is the largest specialty malt producer in the world. Their base malts are malted from null lox varietals that don't contain the enzyme lipoxygenase, which leads to trans 2 in beer, which, of course, is Everybody responsible knows. for those stale cardboard flavors. Yeah. Head over to morebeer.com and brew with ingredients from the future. Future, future. 
All right. You can support the BN by clicking our Amazon links and doing your Amazon shopping. It's a great way to support us. Just go to our homepage and click the Amazon link and then shop away. And thanks to all of the, uh, all of those of you who already do that. Uh, you can also, for example, subscribe uh, to BYO Magazine. Uh, get yourself a subscription at the normal price, and it supports us that way, too. You can do the same with the American Homebrewers Association. Click that link and get your membership. You can also subscribe and join the BN Army. As little as $2 a month enters you into the More Beer Monthly Donation Giveaway, which is a chance to get 100 bucks to spend over at More Beer. So do all those things to support us, and we would appreciate it very much, not to mention uh, patronizing our sponsors because they're good people, and uh, you just go buy the stuff you're going to buy anyway. Yeah. But do it from the people that support the BN. That's right. You go up to them and be like, you are tiny and small. You patronize them, right? Patronize them, exactly, <laughs> yeah. All right, sign up uh, for information and updates and fun over on our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages. Send your feedback to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. We do love to hear from you, and we put all of that stuff that's worth hearing on the feedback segment of this program. All right, do we have a Twitter game today? We do. Great. Yes. Twitter game is brought to you today by the Wine and Hop Shop. Go to wineandhop.com, and uh, most of their items ship within 24 hours. And better yet, Brewing Network listeners get $8 flat rate shipping on orders under 25 pounds. Just enter coupon code BNSHIPPING in the notes field of the shopping cart, and the discount will be taken after checkout. Go over to wineandhopshop.com. Oh, sorry, wineandhop.com. All right, what's our Twitter game? Uh, well, it's a weird one today, Justin. Today is the one-year birthday of my daughter, Alice. Oh, happy birthday, so Alice. I'm here I'm here with you guys. Right, ditching her on her birthday. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure she's going to remember it. <laughs> yeah. The first of the many ways you're going to fuck that girl up. That's true. Uh, no, Taryn <laughs> took the day off, so uh, you know, I was like, all right, just leave him alone. Get in here a little early, finally, for once. Cool. Uh, but I wanted to know if anybody out there, it's very retrospective, had uh, any life experience or advice for my one-year-old daughter that they wish they had gotten before they became a 45-year-old doughy homebrewer. Wow. Yeah. You are opening up a can of worms here. Yeah, I know. Okay. But the beauty is she's not going to read it, so it's fine. I can sure. filter that advice, but you know, help me tell her things. All right. I love this, yeah. and I'm curious the chance that uh, you take any of this bu- advice back to her. <laughs> you know, write it down for when she can understand you. Uh, well, I'm going we'll to give out. you the, the best 13, and you're going to pick yeah. six out of that. That's, yeah. I, I'm good at that. He'll <laughs> uh, get five yeah. out of six good ones. Hey, man. That's right. That's like a D. All mm-hmm. right. Play our Twitter game. It's a lot of fun, and we'll do give it. you a prize if you win. All right. Let's do some feedback. Feedback is brought to you today. By the Beer Law Center. Go to BeerLawCenter.com, and our friend John can help you out there. He does a great job protecting our trademark, which he can do for you. Yeah. He can also do your uh, brewery registration filings. Uh, you name it. He's a good guy. He understands the beer industry. And better yet, he's legally a lawyer. So <laughs> That's true. I actually saw on Facebook he has two uh, interns. Oh. He's like hiring. He has paralegals and shit now. Wow. I know. All right. So he's, he's growing. It's a, good, it's a good thing for you. Good. Go to BeerLawCenter.com. All right. Joel from Gloopy Glopperland, <laughs> which as everybody knows is Canada. Canada right. uh, he writes in... Or Blobber's um, Basement, I don't know. Yes. Uh, he says, hey, Brewcaster. I assume he meant to make that plural. Uh, <laughs> I've been listening to the archives for the last year. I'm currently, currently in 2013, and I really, really, did I say really, hate my job. I'm thanking you for making it bearable 
and making me think of brewing 40 hours a week instead. You guys rock, and since I started listening to you guys, I went from brewing crappy canned extract beer to being featured in the September issue of BYO. Nice. So, Hell yeah. Is that the upcoming September? I guess it's the past. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just, just now getting around to... Is Canada three months, six uh, months behind? I think so, in okay. most things, and I guess the calendar as well. <laughs> uh, anyway, he says, I hope to see this message, uh, probably hear this message, he means, in a few months after I've caught up with the archives. So, Well, thanks, Joel. Congratulations on your uh, success with BYO Magazine. And we're glad that we could help. All right. Jeff writes in. Now, this one is an interesting one about a little brewery controversy, apparently. Uh, In fact, in the place that our other hop grenade location uh, exists, which is in Fort Collins, Colorado. Great town. Go to hop grenade while you're there. Uh, All right. So Jeff writes in that. So Odell Brewing Company of Fort Collins has sparked a minor controversy this week by killing off a cult favorite which was their Mountain Standard Black Double IPA. And apparently, uh, they put this on Facebook, and you can, you can go read on the Odell page all the comments that people have made about it. Uh, Jeff says that this was always a favorite of mine, but I understand the fact that black IPAs or American Hopped Black Ales, Cascadian Darks, whatever you call them, don't really sell. Um, it's also sad because Firestone, he says, did the same thing to his other favorite, mm-hmm. Wookie Jack. Mm-hmm. But apparently the controversy is this. It's that Odell is electing to leverage the goodwill and brand identity of Mountain Standard in order to launch a new hybrid IPA style called the Mountain Style. Uh, In other words, they're claiming a style. Right. Like like New England IPA did or or like the the folks in the Pacific Northwest uh, did with the Cascadian Dark Ale. So they're they're partially or potentially inventing slash claiming a style of IPA and calling it mountain style. Which, and I think those other two that you mentioned, I think those got named organically. Ooh. I don't. I don't think that uh, whoever made up like a brewery named it. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. think they go. I'm inventing this new style. Of, I'm staking my claim. I think it was. I mean, New England style just kind of came from the region and black IPA, whatever. And then and then people in 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 the Pacific Northwest decided to call it Cascadian because got know, it being arrogant. But there's no there's no brewery that says this is a style that I invented and and here's what it is. Okay, that's kind of new for me. And they're staking a claim on a beer they're discontinuing. Mm-hmm. No. No. Oh. So the beer that they're discontinuing was no. called Mountain Standard. Yeah. And the style that they're now uh, saying they're, they're calling Mountain Style. Uh, but apparently, according to Jeff, he feels, and I read through some of the con- uh, comments from uh, customers as well, mm-hmm. that Odell is leveraging, he even says it in this, is is leveraging the, the brand uh, identity and goodwill from their beer Mountain Standard, which is now discontinued, right? By using the mountain in the mountain style that Correct. they're now making, right? Okay. Right, right. They're trying to bridge those two things together. So he goes on to say, while it looks like a really tasty beer, it's six and a half percent, forty IBUs. Uh, the hops are Cashmere, Strata, Sabro. Uh, he says, "I'm writing because I want your honest opinions about the continued subdivision of the IPA style, uh, especially when the marketing he says is kind of weak." For example, all of those hops, and and even in the description that Odell gives of the beer, Mountain Style, are tropical-flavored hops. So his impression Mm -hmm. is, do tropical flavors really come from the mountains? Um, (laughs) 
Anyhow, That's a good point. he says he did this because he wants to know our opinions. Plus, I think giving JP some time to vent his spleen is good for his health. It's true. Mm. Uh, he says, keep your jeans loose, but your nutters tight from Jeff. So they just made a strong pail and want to make it a new style. Well, sort of. So they, they with this, they released a, like a flow chart, essentially, about West Coast-style IPAs versus New England-style IPAs, and then how Mountain-style IPAs fit in that kind of... In the middle? Right. Okay. So West Coast, they say aggressively hopped, clear, bitter. Well, they, they're, it's an IPA. Of course it's bitter, right? <laughs> uh, right? Dry finish with a malty backbone. Okay. I don't necessarily know that that's the case, especially mm-hmm. not anymore. That seems like 10 years ago. I don't know. It seems like a combination. Yeah. New England-style IPAs, intensely aromatic. How's that different than aggressively hot? Thank you. Cloudy. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. Adjuncts. Yeah. And then they say fruit, vanilla, or lactose. As ingredients? We, we've had tons of, well, not tons, but we had several New England-style IPAs on the show. None of them had fruit, vanilla, or lactose in it. Sometimes right. they do, but Sometimes not, they, not as they, a generalization, no. Right, but yeah. not as the style. I wouldn't consider it part of the style. No. Absolutely not. Yeah. Right. And then mountain-style IPAs, juicy hop aroma. <laughs> which to me is New England style IPAs, but right. whatever. Yeah. Uh, hazy New, New England, England style IPAs, low bitterness, New again. England. Modern tropical bright hops, New England. New England. Refreshing finish, that's debatable. No fruit right. added. Is there. <laughs> that's the distinction? I think so, but fruit mm-hmm. in New England IPAs, it, it, it doesn't really happen as a style like thing. So I, right. that's, I guess, the confusion and the, the kind of uh, yeah, raising that, of the that, ire of everybody. Yeah, yeah. It's like this. It, it's you're, not part you're, of the style. Like, ma- it doesn't differentiate because it's so out of, out of the blue. Right. You're inventing a style based on guidelines that don't even apply to the other styles that you're defining so you can break away from those predefined styles. It's just based on... Right. Fake guidelines. So yeah. in order to be mountain style, for example, they would need to add flannel. That's right. Or, yeah. patchouli. or leather. leather. Yeah. Yes. Patchouli. Uh, I prefer Gangnam style, to be honest. Right. But uh, that's just me. But that's Eastern style. That's right? very Eastern like. style. There's a lot of pandas. Yeah. yeah right. uh, you know. Yes. Yeah. Like maybe, Gucci. you know, a little bit of grizzly bear and bobcat. You know, for that <laughs> style. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes. I, Bobcat Goldthwait. You got to be very. That's what definitive. I meant. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's also from Fort Collins, I think. <laughs> I love mountains. <laughs> uh, well, you know, to answer the first part of your question, in terms of leveraging the, the success of the first brand, Mountain Standard, into yeah. a new thing, that's their prerogative. It's their brand. Yeah, sure. you know, they invented yeah. that. Yeah, I, I don't have, give a shit. I have no problem with it. I mean, you, you could argue that every new podcast we put out, we leverage the Brewing Network brand into something else. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's just something that you do. Um, and I don't think that they're being uh, deceitful by, by doing that. Uh, it's clearly by the reaction, everybody knows the difference between Mountain Standard Black Double IPA and Mountain... Uh, sorry, yeah, and now Mountain Style IPA. Uh, uh, everyone knows it's not a black IPA. So, so in other words, they're not causing confusion. They're not misleading anybody. So that part, I, I think don't it's re- also I don't really care to say that they're leveraging one thing to push it into the other. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I have no opinion on that because they used right. one common word. But in reading through the comments, uh, consumers, um, or at least the you know the vocal minority, uh, they don't like any of this. <laughs> Uh, huh. And then, of course, you hear the same thing, you know, that, that even I say when, like, my favorite beer goes away. They're like, no, you know, don't take away my black IPA. But, you know, my assumption is that 
the small vocal minority just didn't buy enough of it. Right. In right. order for it. To, so I don't think they took it away because it was a great selling beer. And they're like, F you guys. Yeah. You know, that's just a business decision. You know what? I hate my customer base. I mean, there's a reason Sully still sells back in black. Mm. Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. buy yeah. it. Yeah, that's right. following. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's just the way it it. That's the way it goes, man. You're not, yeah. You're not going to pull. Like, can you imagine if uh, Firestone pulled Pale Thirty One because it? Oh, oh, wait. Shit. Mm. No, yeah. People just don't. You know, people just don't buy. That it. was too soon. Yeah, it was. <laughs> It'd always be too soon. <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, I don't know. I mean, the. What do you think the style definition? Like the carving a name. In, <coughs> in, I don't in that way. I don't think it matters what I think. I think the market will dictate whether it's a good idea or not. Hmm. I mean, I think we can talk about how we don't think it's a good idea because, and this is what I think a lot of the uh, you know consumers were posting, yeah. because it's not really a style differenti- differentiator. It's not, right. it's not really something new. Yeah. However, if they sell a crap load more IPA because of it, I would call it a smart decision. This is new mountain <laughs> style. <laughs> you know, right. yeah, I, I, the I mean, market I, will tell. Yeah, well, I, I think it's uh, maybe what they're leveraging is the, the common craft beer drinker to not really understand anything. Sure. That's why not a bad right. ballast points <laughs> don't, don't, yeah, 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 still not uses terrible. the word craft in the thing. That's why right. like nobody really cares right. two months after a brewery sells out because – the mo- more beer drinkers really just don't give a shit. They just want it to be good. And yeah. they're being sold a false bill of goods by saying this is a new style. It's not a new style. <laughs> right. It's literally not a new style. It's a hazy beer. You only need yeah. to know three letters through. to be a beer consumer. Right. Yeah. P-I-L. No, shit. <laughs> Wait a Ca- second. Uh, well, I forget what it is, but you know what it well, is. Well, the yeah. only way I'll say it's a bad idea mm-hmm. is if it's not required that every Mountain Style IPA has some kind of flannel label. Right. I think that could be the difference. A flannel koozie. If, even if they all Fun, come with a flannel dude. koozie. Can you imagine? I'm all in. I yeah. think it's a great, then it's a then it's a mountain IPA. So it must be drank from a flannel koozie. Yeah. That's a differentiator. I agree. And then uh, in the dimple underneath the can, beard oil. Yeah, agree. Kind of go like that, like chapstick, and then put and it on And put it on. And you drink. Every can comes with beard oil and flannel. That would be amazing. Mountain style. Actually, yeah. what they should do, they should, they should call up the Guinness Widget. Beard oil in that. Oh, put it right Pop into that the beer. Can, pops up. You get the foam on your mustache. <laughs> right. Conditions at the same time. Self foaming mustache oil. Mm, yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know. <laughs> okay. uh, I I don't have an opinion. I yeah, I, I guess it, it it does sound like a stretch, but like I said, uh, all marketing is a stretch. I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not in the business of selling beer, so if it works, you, you know, so are. be it. <laughs> yeah. I don't not sell beer. Way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess I help breweries sell beer. Yeah. Um, anyhow, there you go, Jeff. Thanks for uh, writing in, though. It's a good topic. i got to get through a couple more here quick, so we got to get to our guests. But um, another thanks. It's comp- uh, competition season in my parts right now, Doug says. I assume he means type of the country, uh, part of the country. Uh, he says, I'm currently entered at five different competitions between March and April. Uh, to prepare, I've recently gone back and listened to Bruce Strong episodes about competitions and counterpressure bottle, bottle fillers, uh, circa 2011, he says. I listened to the Saison Brewing with Style episode for guidance and even went as far as to listen to Nate Smith on the Beersmith podcast talking wow. about Saisons a little more in depth. By the way, you He's can go cheating to beersmith.com and get your free 21-day trial of that awesome brewing software. Uh, I also listened to the Beachwood Barbecue, uh, Beachwood Brewing episode of the session for inspiration before Brew Day. 
Uh, he says, I use Beersmith to help with many different brewing circumstances, as you should. Um, and in uh, one competition, I have to bring my beer to a gathering. So, of course, I pimped out my beer with custom labels and caps from Grog Tag. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. I also learned about Oregon fruit from you guys, so I'm using their fruit. Now, this is, this is some real sponsor support here. And then because of the all-new Hop and Brew School podcast, uh, these beers are the first that I'm dry hopping in a keg or conical and trapping the hop aromas and driving them back into the beer with pressure and temperature. Thanks for years of enjoyment. Today I signed up as a corporal in the BN Army. Yeah, thanks for doing that. Um, He said, I'd like to add you all as co-brewers to my entries, but I couldn't pick one person. Me. So I just listed Kimmy Granger. I thought he was going to say Kim Shimke. Does that who he means? (laughs) He, said, he goes on to say, I hope that's right. The only Kim we know is Kim Shimke. Who's Kimmy yeah, Granger? Or Kim Wood. But I, yeah. d- didn't we try to make up a name for her? Who? Kim, Kim Shimke? Shimke? Didn't oh. we try to like change her last name there to was something that... easily spelled? That was a Twitter game, I think. Oh. Rename Shimke. Okay. Did he just out like uh, reference us on I our own so. fucking shit? You had the audacity. You learned from us, and you have the audacity to yeah. out-reference us? How dare you, student? Become how do we teacher. send you feedback? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At idiotonline.com. <laughs> All right. Probably. He says, "Suck it, JP." No, Doug from Titletown, USA. In Titletown, more like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sick burn. Got him. Uh, here's one's kind of long. I'll try to get through it fast. Hi, BN team. Uh, I caught wind of this great Instagram account via JP's Instagram, and it was called Intellectual Pooperty. Yeah, that was a tight Instagram account. <laughs> And he said it had a great feed of posts on breweries and beers around the world that were uh, assumed uh, to be in tr- infringing on lots of internet, uh, uh, intellectual property, <laughs> such as Fruity Pebbles, Bart Simpson, Biggie Smalls. Yeah, basically every Seven Stills label ever. Right. But apparently now the account is gone. And he's wondering, <laughs> and he's, bo- he's bothered jail. by that because he enjoyed it. And I guess there was a Reddit thread about it, too. And um, the only answer about why it's gone there was that the the guy who created it was tired of, you know, maintaining it. Hmm. But he wanted to know if anybody here, uh, particularly you, JP, had any uh, could shed any light on the reason the, uh, the intellectual pooperty is gone. Nah, son. Nothing. I have no idea. Actually, it reminded me. I haven't even seen his account in a while, and I can only imagine that maybe some breweries were reporting their posts as intellectual property because he would just take screenshots of cans that have the basically the the PayPal design, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. or yeah, like Lucky Charms, and just totally literally taking characters um, or uh, Captain Crunch, right? Shit like that, right? Yeah. Um, and I wonder if those breweries just then reported that post as their intellectual property and that Instagram would be took it down. And then I wonder if it just got caught in this thing and maybe he just got banned or I don't know. Who knows? That would be a... F- I'd love to know if that was it because that yeah. would be fascinating. It would be good. If yeah. it were the breweries that got right. to take down their intellectual property that was somebody <laughs> else's intellectual property. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be amazing. That would be good. Uh, but hey, man, if you're looking for a new account to follow, shouts out Worst Beer Blog. Go to Instagram, Worst Beer Blog. He basically does kind of the same thing, but a lot of beer industry drama. Okay. Uh, Like there was a guy who posted um, some post about how his black beers don't sell 
uh-huh. and his black beers matter, like this really terribly oh, wow. tone deaf shit. And now he's closing his brewery down. And it's this oh. whole thing. And his he apologized on Facebook, but Too his late. apology was, "I'm sorry that people just don't understand my humor." Right. <laughs> that is unfortunate. Yeah. Anyway, it's just stuff like that. So shouts out to that dude. He's uh, like, I have black friends. <laughs> Yeah. I eat dinner with them. That's right. I let them cook my food. Oh, man. Yeah, so Worst Beer Blog is a good follow. I think I'll be following that. There you go. Yeah, you actually, you should. It's pretty good. It, it, now, if they get it, shut down it's soon. A, it's a blog or it's an Instagram account? It's Instagram I don't, account. Instagram. I, don't, I, don't know why it's, I don't know why it's worse. He's on Facebook. But how does he tell a whole story on Instagram? Screenshot. They're just, he doesn't really, he doesn't blog. I think that's oh. maybe part of the joke. Okay. Uh, but it, it, the nuance kind of gets lost. So he'll just, you know, if there's a news story, he'll screenshot. It'll be like eight, you know, whatever. And you can flip through it and he'll post a link. Or uh. it's just comments. And really what he does is post some stuff and then, other people argue on his feed, and it's just you know, okay. sort of a troll, but not really, but kind of. Uh, he really likes to go after Golden Road. Okay. <laughs> Easy good. target. Yeah. Well, I don't Insta, so that's a bummer. Uh, Facebook. Well, you probably don't Facebook. Oh, either. he's there too? Yeah. I occasionally, only because I have to go do that for yeah. show stuff. That's the I, only reason yeah. I'm still on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. I thought yeah. you got an Instagram. The Brewing Network has one. I don't have one, no. Hmm. Then who the hell am I following? <laughs> I mean, oh. has there been content there? Is it positive content? I don't know. I have not in a I very pl- long time. I mean, I probably opened one years ago. I think you have one. I think but... I assumed it was just you stalking everybody oh, on Instagram. Oh, no, no. I don't even have the app. Stalk- I'm sure <laughs> I... Stalker portal? Yeah. I'm sure I did at one point, but I I never used it. I probably opened that and was like, oh, I'll see what this thing is. And yeah. within about... You know, ninety seconds. Realize it was not for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You so. don't seem like I like Instagram. It's tight. I I, I hate Facebook, but I got to be on it. Like, yeah, like you said. But uh, yeah, I don't do any of them. Instagram's anymore, tight. Really, if you like, so. take if you like taking photos. Yeah, I hope the worst beer blog survives your bump because the last guy got shut down. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> you're, the, you're the death wish. <laughs> right. Actually, he had a, a screenshot of one of our beer pal. Yeah, remember beer pal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He like went on some retarded rant mm. and made it to the <laughs> worst beer blogs like screenshot and shit and I was, and it was nice. funny. I was like, "Wow, it's beer circles are small." Yeah. Mm. All right, let me just do the last yeah, yeah, one sir. real quick. Uh Joe writes in, "Hey guys, I've been listening to the show for about a year. Good stuff. Slowly catching up on all the inside jokes and recently, I, I assume he it was supposed to say recently loved the explanation of the 2 and A commercial." He says, recently lives the explanation. I, I don't know. Uh, uh, was sitting around drinking beer today, clearly, uh, and searched the BN on YouTube and found some pretty old videos. So all of this is to say, when's the next On the Road? Cheers from Joe. Yeah, there's a lot of good old video content on our YouTube site. And, you know, it's always kind of in, you know, on our mind somewhere to do not only more video, but some more On the Road type stuff. But... Uh, you know, it's a lot of effort and a lot of money, uh, that we don't really get back. So we only do that when we don't have another, you know, hundred irons in the fire and we feel like taking a little road trip and, and we have somebody who will do the editing and so on and so forth. So, uh, I'm not saying it's gone forever uh, by no means. It's on hiatus. Yeah. In fact, I do think we'll be going to the hop and brew school camp, the real hop and brew school, um, 
By the way, I did not steal that name. The people who do the Hop and Brew School are doing right, the Hop uh, and Brew School podcast with us. It is a you're not just, it is a collaboration. You're not just inviting us into rec- watch you record the show when you say we're going to Hop and Brew School, right? Okay. No, yeah. uh, we'll be going to uh, actual Hop and Brew School up in Yakima, Washington. That's not uh-huh. until uh, whenever it's like August or something. Around um, harvest, and we'll probably take, assuming it you know hasn't caught fire or. Sunk, flooded. Uh, Both of those natural disasters affect the bunker. Um, You know, we'll take the RV, and and we'll definitely be doing some video content from Hop and Brew School, and maybe we can do a little uh, on on the road while we're at it. Depending on the timing, I might be able to join you. Okay, I will let you know. I think I just got the dates. I don't know if I'm allowed to announce them, but I'll tell you uh, at the break. So, all right. Well, let's get ourselves to a quick break Uh, before we do uh, this whole segment was brought to you by Brewers Publications, publisher of Goes, brewing a classic German beer from the for the modern era. All done by Fal Allen. You can visit BrewersPublications.com to order a copy of Goes or browse their in- entire collection of beer and brewing titles. More than 50 of them in all. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Cleophis Queely is on the program with us. Hang in there. It's the session. 21st Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. JP. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you you have a cleaning problem, you need the five star solution. Visit fivestarchemicals.com or call 800 782 7019. 800 782 7019 and get the five star treatment today. Hey, this is Brendan from Central Coast Brewing. You're listening to the session on the Brewing. All right, welcome back to the program. Thanks for hanging out with us. When you get back to your computer, if you're not at it now, go to greatfermentations.com. Check them out. They're a great sponsor of ours, and they offer specialized grain ordering now. 
Order any grain in less than one pound increments. Perfect for your specialty malts. You can ask to combine or keep grains separate. And you can even tell them to crush the grain that you want. Check them out at greatfermentations.com. Greatfermentations.com. All right. As promised, we have... Cleophis Queely in the studio, and joining us is Dan Watson and Jessica Clare. Dan, welcome to the show. How did I do on the name? You were close. Oh, damn it. <laughs> it's that Cleophis Queely. Queely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you listen to the show at all? Sometimes I do, but I'm not brewing. So you may or may not know that when you guys first opened, I had a field day with your name on the on the air. <laughs> I heard. Okay. <laughs> and I hope you at least know the show well enough not to take too much offense for that. Because, for example, you know, one of my favorite breweries on the planet makes the most ridiculous beer names I've ever heard in my life. I make fun of the Rare Barrel for Rare that. Rare Barrel, yeah. Also constantly. So it's almost a thing of, of endearment. We keep a list of uh, mispronunciations. <laughs> you do? <laughs> Quayley. Yeah, like the bird. Okay. Where does the name come from? It's a mashup of two family names. I had a great, great, great grandfather named Cleophus. He worked oh. on the Southern Pacific Railroad. That was his first name. First name. I love it. And Quayley is uh, my business partner Peter's mother's maiden name. Okay. So we took the two best names in our family and mashed them together. Okay. Now, I mean, not Dan and Peter. No, no the best ones. <laughs> yeah. I do think if I didn't say it, and I think maybe I did, I was thinking it. the The one defense I had was. I actually think you're kind of brilliant for making a very unique name that stands out. And I think I might have said that. I might not have called you brilliant. But uh, (laughs) at least in the middle of making fun of the name, I I would have been like, but you know what? There's not a brewery or anything else on earth named even close. This was one of the first names we came up with as we were brainstorming. Okay. Uh, We spent a year trying to think of a name for a brewery. Couldn't think of anything that we really liked. Uh, in the end, we concluded that all brewery names suck. Yeah, and just went back to the first one. Okay, I like sure. that. Actually, that's a yeah. good philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just out of curiosity, so it was your great, 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 great three did, greats. Three greats. Did they shorten names back then? Was he Cleo or was it always Cleophus? Do you think? I do, I don't know exactly. Yeah. but uh, I think he probably went by Bob or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> something completely. People can remember his, his middle name, name was yeah. Tim. Yeah. You know, I, I have yeah. a feeling it was always Cleophus. I, think I don't know so just too. because those kind of older names yeah. were more elegant, and I don't know. That's and it would what, have been rude to it shorten. Was, yes, a sign of respect. Yeah. Just, this is my full name, and this is what it is. You will call me this. Do you have kids, Dan? I have a brewery. You have a brewery. <laughs> Good enough. I was gonna, so so you oh, did name, name your kid Cleophis. Yeah, right. Okay, that, that's <laughs> fair. Uh, all right. So uh, let me just tell people too. You can go to uh, Cleof C L E O P H dot U S uh, Cleophis. Uh, just put the dot Cleophis, after the yeah. uh, if you want to go follow along at the website. Uh, now Dan Watson here is the uh, founder and and brewmaster, and Jessica Clare, you're their general manager. I am. How long has Cleophis uh, Quayley been open, and how long have you been there? We've been open for four years. Okay. Um, I actually was there for the, like, friends and family soft opening, thanks to a, a mutual friend that we have. Um, so I've been going there since literally day one. Okay. Um, and I started working there about three or four months after they opened. So Got it. Yeah. And you were in the beer industry before that? I was. I was working at Anchor at the time when I first started showing up. So oh, Anchor nice. Brewing. Yeah. How long were you at Anchor? I was at Anchor Brewing for about two years. Nice. Mm-hmm. It's a cool place. I like it. It was a cool place. 
it's still a cool place. Okay. A lot of you cool people <laughs> seem to have not, moved on. Whether or not it's still cool inside is a different question. I see. Okay. <laughs> the building itself is awesome. Yeah, that is a cool <laughs> building. Uh, okay. And so you're the general manager, which means you, you keep the doors open for these guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I end up doing a l- little bit of everything. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Well, we're happy to have you here to talk about the beer with us, too. So four years ago is when you opened. That's yep. Right. We had our fourth anniversary in December. What was your life before the brewery? Do you have a, did you have a previous career in the, in the beer world? or I was working at Google. Oh, is that right? Yeah. This was my first gig. What a dumbass. Why, are, why wouldn't you stay at Google? Uh, it paid well. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. It did pay well. That's what I'm saying. You should have stayed at Google. Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you, but you got tired of the tech world, or you just had a, a dream for, uh, about a brewery? I really wanted to make something with my hands, something material, you okay. know, put put some creativity into it, you know. Yeah. Um, my mom uh, could understand what I what I do when I make beer. <laughs> right. <laughs> that makes sense. So. You could have a conversation about your work. Exactly. Uh, but you were not a pro brewer before. You Were you a home brewer? I was a home brewer, yeah. Okay. How long did you do that for? Uh, home brewing for about uh, three or four years. I Ended see. up uh, going to UC Berkeley Extension, taking a bunch of... Uh, chemistry and biology classes and went to the brewmaster program at uh, uc davis okay just to get get prepared there's nothing uh, to put the the fear of god in you like opening a brewery yeah right uh, and, <laughs> or you, chemistry classes for that. yeah both of those but you value education clearly so you just felt like you needed that background yeah it really helped uh, quaily yeah quaily yes quaily uh so you went from computer science to science brewing science, science bio- yeah. brewing science uh was that a tough jump for you were you always good at the sciences anyway yeah, it wasn't a tough job. Um, okay. Definitely, it's it's a lot harder work, you know, making beer and like you know, slapping stuff around and sure. long sweaty days. But uh, yeah, it's more rewarding. What size brewery did you build? Uh, we have a seven barrel brew house. Okay, and we're 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 making about five hundred barrels a year right now, so super small. I see. Did you buy a brand new brew house or we bought the uh, bottom of the line Chinese stainless? <laughs> you did, yeah. yeah. All the warts. <laughs> <laughs> Was it a big, uh, a difficult jump for you to to go from only home brewing to this professional system? With our brew house, no. Um, it's you know, tasty. Tasty can attest to this. This is a, it's basically like big home brewing, just mm. you know, the hardest possible scale at which everything can be manual. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you guys are in San Leandro, California, which now, uh, which of course has Drake's. It, it always has one of my favorites. 21st Amendment just took over like a city block or something. Um, and you guys are nestled in there, too. Uh, San Leandro's becoming like a little beer zone. Yeah, we're really happy about that. Sometimes we do events with all three breweries, run a shuttle between them. Cool. You know, those guys are really friendly to us. We're a tiny speck on the map, and they're, they're sure. super cool to us. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a tasting room people can go to? Yeah, we've got a big tasting room. We have events going on all the, all the time. There's a food truck. We're open, we're open six days a week. So, okay. yeah. It's a, it's a destination. Does your beer really leave the brewery, or is it all sold on premise? We sell about twenty five percent of our beer to bottle shops and bars, you know, smattered around the East Bay and some in San Francisco. But okay. you know, the vast majority of our beer is sold from the tasting room. So kegs leave the building as well, not and bottles. just bottles. Yep. Yeah, kegs and bottles. Okay, great. Well, you brought us some bottles of beer today. We did, which is very nice of you. The first one, uh, and I do always make fun of beer names, but this one's too good. It's real good. It's good. Sit uh, down if you're standing up. Yeah, right uh, Kafir and Loathing <laughs> is the first beer that we've got in our glass today. Who names these beers? I do. You do. Okay. <laughs> it's to be sold in Las Vegas. I'm just saying. This one, so I. I don't like puns at all. No. Uh, and and then the weirder the beard, I don't know. I'm just a jerk about it. 
This one's really good. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would wear a shirt of this one. It's so I think good. that's the problem is is most puns are too easy. Yeah. And while, you know, if you're working with it, maybe I could see if it's, you know, if you have the kefir lime, whatever, yeah. you, you, it, it's a little more obvious. Right. But for the common person... It, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. And but that's, because that's people one. know fear and loathing, right. they'll, they'll figure it's it out. It's very culturally yeah. It's way better than like still. the pursuit of hoppiness, for example. <laughs> right? Hoppy so birthday. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, tell us about this beer. Yeah, this is a, uh, a uh, Berliner Weiss that's aged in barrels for about 13 months. Okay. Uh, we fermented this with, uh, with wine lees. So the, the yeast from the bottom of a wine barrel from our friend Carl Sutton, uh, who used to have a winery here in, or in San Francisco. All right. Um, so we, we, you know, tried this as a sort of a mixed fermentation. And uh, So when you say you fermented with that, you, that, that, does that mean you did not use uh, Saccharomyces? That, that's right, yeah. At all? Yeah. So it, it would have been a blend of the, of the Brettanomyces and Saccharomyces that were coming from the wine. 100% fermented like that? Yep. Okay. You didn't add any souring bacteria? Uh, we did add a lactoculture. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and then uh, we we aged it out in barrels and, and finished it off with some uh, kaffir lime leaf mm-hmm. and kiwi and kiwi as well. Yes, whole fruit kiwi or uh, pureed. Pureed. Yeah. Did you puree or you, you buy the puree? Uh, we bought this puree. Okay. Just curious. Not the one's better than the other. I'm always just oh, I can for taste our listeners. It, it's yeah. Right. <laughs> no, the puree the purees are so good now. I, I just more. Always want to know what format. Yeah, too, well, kiwis know. are annoying. But yeah, oh gosh, to peel those or yeah. whatever. No, I mean the people from New Zealand. They are annoying, annoying too. Yeah. Um, so I love a sour, sour beer, right? I want a pucker. And my first sip of this, it did just that. So it's well, it's not done. just tart. Yeah. So it's, when you yeah. say, I think I bring it up too because you say it's a Berliner Weitz that you aged, right? But a Berliner Weitz to style would be much less sour than this, right? Typically, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, typically they're not aged for as long or not aged at all. So okay, true. This has had some time to to develop its character. And I'm glad it did. It's really nice. Now, I would not be able to pick out the kefir because I have no idea what that tastes like. What yeah, is the, it the, usually in? The kefir, it's leaves of the lime, so you, you get more aromatics off of it. So, you know, when, when the carbonation is coming out, c- coming out you, you get more of a, of a just kind of a limey, fruity aroma out of it. Okay. Um, this this one's you know a, a little settled, but uh, mm. um, you know you mostly get that in the head. Gosh, and what's the finishing gravity on this? Is like nothing. <laughs> it's so wonderfully dry. About one. Yeah, about one. <laughs> Just a little like uh, I do. The the lime is is really up front, and there's almost a little peppery spice or something at the back of my palate at the end. Just a little bit. It's to, not even heat. To me, it's coming across as almost like. I mean, you said. Grape leaves is what started it. Like I get, like kind of like a grape skin tannin that could be coming from maybe the barrel that you used, depending on what that was. Yeah, it may it may be from the fermentation. Okay, and what kind of barrel was it? Uh, these were uh, petite raw barrels. All right, French oak, American oak, American oak, and you pretty well used before you got them. Uh, they had been yeah two turns or so before we, before we used them. Okay, well then I'm a little surprised it's not oakier. With only a couple t- uh, turns on there. It's it's nice and subtle. I like that. If it was too oaky, it would cover everything else that you had in there. Yep. So you take a bunch, you put this in a bunch of barrels for, you said 14 months? 13 months. 13 months. And then, of course, you end up blending them together. Yep. Did you have to toss any of it? We did toss one of the barrels. It had uh, had a little bit of off flavor from the, from the fermentation that we didn't like. So. Okay. So for a smart guy like you uh, and a small output like that, that's a really bold decision to 
make so much beer in barrels where you really have to wait for this product to, to come to market, right? Like that math almost doesn't add up as a, as a brewery. Sure. Yeah, and we uh, we haven't we haven't looked at the math, so you know. <laughs> perfect. Uh-oh. Don't. Uh-oh. And by yeah. the way, don't rely on my math anyway. It's, <laughs> it's horrible. Uh, but yeah, I just think that's a that's a because di- yeah, we're, we're like, necessarily a small brewery. We're making we're making beer that we really like. Yeah, um, we're, yeah. we're we're it takes a long time. You know, our, our beer. You know, sixty percent of our beer is barrel aged, and it will take anywhere from three to eighteen months, depending on the beer. But you know, we're sure. not we're not trying to rush through it, and we're not trying to make massive volumes of it. We've got a really lo- loyal following who come to the brewery. That's where we sell most of our beer. So okay, it's working well for us. That's a wonderful beer. Yeah. I really like it. Uh, so you must have a fairly large barrel room then, too. Yeah, um, you know, we've got um, sixty or seventy, you know, wine barrels stacked up in the in the back of the brewery, and you just keep things rotating. Yep. What uh, what about the other forty percent of beer? What kind of beers are you producing for that? We make the occasional IPA. All right. Um, you know, we, we do some classic styles. We have we have a pilsner and a, a bohemian pilsner and a, a a porter on right now. Okay. You know, we we um we kind of fill in the barrel aged stuff with you know not everybody loves a sour beer or always wants a sour beer, so sure. we, we try to try to mix it up a bit. But in the kind of short history of craft beer, you came in at a good time for, for sour beer. I mean, kind of the same with Rare Barrel. They're one of the first 100% sour breweries, right? Um, whereas maybe even 10 years ago, you'd have had to make more of those IPAs and pale ales, right? Yeah. So I'm sure you didn't have – you don't have much difficulty in – you don't have to talk people into this, these styles of beer. I mean, we do some. We actually get a ton of people to the to the brewery who've never had a sour before. We're getting a lot of people who – aren't super beer savvy and who are way more familiar with like wine or cocktails mm. and they come in and are like, well, I've never had a beer before. I've been to, you know, I've had all these IPAs. I've had all these dark beers and I don't like them. And it's like, well, have you ever had a sour mm. and they don't even know what that is. So there's still a lot of education to be done. There's a lot of people who still aren't familiar with what they are, Sure. Um, which to me is one of the most fun parts. Like getting to introduce somebody to sour beer is amazing. Yeah. And their reactions are incredible. Every once in a while, you get somebody who is really upset at you. <laughs> yeah. Well, Why did you do this to me? But for the most part, it's this like realization for people of like, oh my God, I do like beer. Like, yeah. and this, this like click of like, of liking something that they didn't know they could like. Sure. So, yeah. That's always been one of my favorites too. Sours were good. You know, if people just say flat out, I don't like beer. I always say, well, we can fix that, and, mm-hmm. and don't worry, it won't be a beer that you think. And, and they'll say, oh, my God, that's beer. On the other hand, though, like you said about kind of people getting mad at you, <laughs> for those that do know they like beer, I've always wondered if sour beer is not the right name. Because for those who like their clean beer and they know their clean beer, you're kind of offering them something that sounds like shit, mm-hmm. if you think about it, right? Well, and especially with homebrewers, right? Like, you're trained that sour is bad. Yeah. You know, for a lot of old-school homebrewers, it's like, oh, was this supposed to be sour? And it's like, yes, <laughs> this exactly. is not an accident. It was intentional. This is what we were going for. Trust us. Yeah. So there is still a little bit of that. Well, and then also there's the question, right, of like, is sour too broad, right? Sour is yeah. a flavor and not a style. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's some people that we give something, like, especially me at this point, I'm so desensitized to, like, what is sour? So people ask me, like, how sour is it? It's like, I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'll, I'll taste something that's, like, mixed fermentation, has some bread in it. I don't think it's particularly sour. And I'll give it to somebody and they're like, whoa, that is so tart. Like, sure. Cool. So there's also that piece, right, of, like, like sour is kind of a spectrum, and there's a lot of range in there that calling something a sour beer isn't super specific. There's yeah. a lot of things a sour beer could be. Yeah, maybe we need to develop that spectrum a little bit. Build it, out our vocabulary some. Yeah. 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 
I'm glad you brought up the point of being desensitized a little bit to sourness. Um, do you find in the brewery that, you know, obviously you're tasting quite a bit of it, and you got to taste those barrels all the time, you got to do your blend. And I just wonder, uh, Dan, if, if, if you find yourself desensitized too and, and are blending things that are even more sour than you thought they were. Typically not. Typically, you know, we, we, we try not to be crazy over the top sour with, with a lot of our beers. We try to let them be in balance. But, uh, yeah, you know, we, we, we'll, we'll taste through barrels a few times and take barrel notes and say like, oh, that, you know, needs a bit more time. We'll taste it a couple of weeks later and be like, oh, that is done. That is ready. There it is. Yeah. yeah so sometimes it takes a couple of shots before you can, uh, you know, taste it right. Have Maybe you noticed- too much coffee in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> right. Have you noticed kind of a, a pH range that people might prefer? Yeah, we, we we like ours to land right around three point five, but you know, not push much past that. But okay. you know, we've got to titrate them to really see what's in there. So, is it and is it something kind of how IBUs? Some people will also prefer. Uh, you have kind of like a recognizable clientele that come in for just the, the the barely tart sour beers, and then you have some people that want the mouth puckering. We don't. We don't beers? really have that. I, I think people. You know, we 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 have people who definitely come in for the barrel aged stuff. Sometimes, you know, the, the non sour barrel aged stuff or, or the sour stuff. We we don't really have any uh, super vocal customers who demand. You know, in a particular way, people people usually. I mean, seem to like what we make, and we we get good feedback on it. Sometimes people want a particular beer back, but we haven't had a lot of vocal uh, customers demanding more sour beer. Right. Mm-hmm. Good for you. So there's not going to be a pH race. Who wants like to listen to that? Like there was an IBU race. Oh, I see what you're getting <laughs> yeah. at. Yeah. You know, we, we really try to go for balance. And it depends on the beer. Sometimes there's a bit more bitterness or dry hopping to the beer. Sometimes there's more body. And that really changes the perception, even though, you know, the, the amount of acid in there could be even higher. So mm. we, we try to do what's right for the beer. And, and, and um, we, you know, one of our goals with our beer is not just to make it super far in one direction, super bitter, super sour. You know, we, we want to... Build a balanced beer and, and one that has some really interesting flavor characteristics to it, um, and, and has a lot of flavor into it. So we're we're always trying to make a beer that's more than you expect uh, in the flavor, hmm. um, so that you get you, you get get a beer that's more of an experience than just like a, oh that was really sour. It's right. like if you want really sour, you can just drink lactic acid. We <laughs> <laughs> can do that for you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, so I'm already on to the next one, which I want you to describe to me. But I wanted to ask first. Um, I want to ask about your learning curve. Because you didn't go with a very easy beer style to make. Anything barrel-aged, not just sour, right? Um, and, and not having brewed before except for home brewing. If you're honest with yourself, how do you feel your beers were in that first year, you know, kind of compared to now? Is it a steep curve for you? It, it was a gradual curve. I, um, you know, our, our first beers, I think, were well-made but weren't super exciting. Okay. Um, and certainly our first sour beers... Um, didn't come out the way we wanted. Um, we ended up making more kettle sours than barrel sours for the first couple of years. It took some time to really figure out the process and and have beers come out the other side the way we wanted. You know, play, playing with different bugs, t- t- playing with different uh, um, with, with different barreling processes. So it took actually a while for us to to really hone in, hit your stride. Yeah, there. and you know, even, even then, you know, I know a lot of an issue that a lot of breweries deal with is THP and off flavors that come with, with sour beers. Mm-hmm. So working through that took us some time as well. So okay, it was a pretty steep learning curve. And you found that the kettle sours were just a little easier to manage yeah, in the beginning? Yeah, kettle sours are easy to make, but you know, okay. it's also like a microwave steak. Gotcha. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> uh, 
my grandmother used to make microwave steak all uh, all the time. I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Um, so okay. it's a fond memory for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the next beer in our glass, another good name, uh, Cassis and Assist. Is, is on here. Uh, what can you tell us about this beer? So Cassis and Desist at its base is a Saison. It's been about six months in wine barrels. We added black currants to it as well as mulling spices. So allspice, cinnamon, orange peel, nutmeg. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the goal here was very much to hit like a mulled wine flavor profile. I think you guys nailed that. I think so mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Um, and all of that allspice is, is subtle enough that, I, you know, this isn't your Christmas beer. Right, which is usually what those spices might come. Yeah, mold wine. Um, or yeah, blue wine is what the Germans. Call yeah, it. but it does. It is mold wine. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just not that like over the top. You're not giving me pumpkin pie type thing. Right. Yeah, and it's not only like cinnamon and nutmeg. Yeah, but exactly. It's it's um, but what elderberry or there's some there's some like thing like a dried fruit. Mm. I don't know. I can't. That would be the black currant. Probably. Black yeah. Curd. Okay. Um, well, and there's a little bit of tartness to it, right? Which helps yeah. keep it a little lighter. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of wintry beers, and especially wintry like spiced beers, mm-hmm. are really heavy. So I think that tartness just kind of helps keep it a little lighter on your palate. Yeah, and more of a year-round. Mm-hmm. These are great side-by-side also because what you're mentioning of this kind of spectrum of, of sour. Um, you know, whereas the, the first beer... Uh, is puckering for me. Mm-hmm. The second one, not so much. Uh, it's just it's a lighter sour. It's a lot more like fruit tartness, right? Than yeah. like like lacto or you know um, bacteria driven tartness. Yeah, yeah. Britannomyces in this beer as well, Dan. Just some uh, some background in the barrels. So in secondary, there was there was there was a secondary bread fermentation. Just kind of to clean up a little bit. Yeah, because um, yeah, I don't get that out of it, but it's a very clean. Yeah, it's a clean sour. I know it sounds it's ridiculous to drink. say, but a lot of saison uh, yeast on this one. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. I think it def- the saison yeast, the the spicy phenols that that contributes works really well with the the mold spices uh, that were added and and added at a right intensity to where one's not blowing out the other. So like a sage thyme thing happening too, hmm. like a stuffing, a little I'm, savory. Yeah, like uh, Trader Joe's stu- uh, Thanksgiving stuffing chips. Oh yeah. Chips. But those are amazing. I mean, not not the chip part, but that flavoring, that seasoning is kind of there, sort of in the middle. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's great. It's very complex, Yeah, uh, all of it. You, it. So far, it doesn't sound like you guys just have, like, a base beer that you put into your barrels. You you do different ones. You know, first one was kind of a Berliner. This one is more of a Saison. Yeah, we have four or five base recipes that we work with. There's, there's usually a Golden, Saison, Berliner Weiss, a Goza couple of others that we, we kind of keep in rotation a few a few dark saisons things like that so okay. you know we'll, we'll tend to to, to, to riff on a, on a on a on a recipe so we have a lot of goldens that you know come out we have got a buddha's hand golden right now and sometimes maybe a cranberry or a you know pomegranate golden or something like that so okay uh, but yeah we try kind of different variations and we'll release one or two a year with kind of the same base beer but we really keep it moving i see with beer, with uh, barrel aged beers, are you just doing a single batch and just filling three barrels or so, or are you multi batching the same beer that way you you have more than just three oak barrels? Yeah, we, we like we like the the benefit of blending. So so we'll typically we've got sixteen barrel fermenters, so we'll, we'll do a double eight barrel batch and and, the, and then you know fill up uh, fill up uh, eight barrels with that, so we have kind of good stock to work from usually. Mm-hmm. And that but that might land as two or three different beers depending on how we decide to blend it or release it. Oh, okay. So you just wait until how the beer finishes and then decide yeah. instead of going in with a plan and sticking to it. Yeah, sometimes we know what we're going for. Sometimes we'll we'll let the beer ferment out and decide how to finish it. That's that's kind of let the, the fun part. Side, yeah. yeah. 
It's my whole life. I just wait. <laughs> let the beer, beer decide. decide. Yeah, so yeah. I, I just wait, and then the beer decides for me. Listen to the liquor, Justin. <laughs> yeah. How we ended up here, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Wise man once said, <laughs> "Let the we, beer we, decide." I am, I the, am liquor. the liquor. <laughs> we recently had a saison sitting around in a barrel, and we were kind of thinking of what to do with it. And we said, "Hey, you know, let's put some uh, some, some tamarind and some chipotle and some ginger in here." Wow! And uh, it ended up being a really lovely beer. Um, you know, just just kind of a. It, it, it had you know a little bit of a gingery character to it. We decided to kind of push on that, and we were really happy with the results. And that wasn't a beer at the beginning we thought was going to be that. We, we weren't sure what we were going to do with it, but uh, we were really happy with the result. To be honest, that sounds more exciting and far less stressful to me, especially when you're dealing with barrels and age, to, to really have a plan and know exactly where you want it. And, of course, what a sense of achievement if it lands there. But if it doesn't, it just feels so stressful to me. Whereas, well, let's see what the beer does, and we'll we'll figure it out from there. Yeah, we have the luxury. We're a very small brewery. We don't have a we don't have distribution. We don't have to really keep up with 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 the demands of of, of pumping you know hundreds of barrels of beer out um, for distribution and you know delivering on that beer that we we have a contract on. So sure. um, you know we've we've got the luxury of time. Okay. Well, I'm going to get us to a break. And only because I want you to think about something at the break. And kind of going back to um, what I was asking you about the learning curve. Because I'm just fa- the reason I'm asking, I'm kind of harping on this a little bit, is because the beers are so good. And so I'd like you, if you could, think about a couple of the most important things maybe you've learned over the four years, uh, especially anything that surprised you. you know, I'm sure you kind of went in like, all right, I've been homebrewing. I just went to school for this. I got this. And then something might have taken you down a notch after you brewed a little bit. So if you could think about a couple things like that for me. We Hard come to back. narrow it down just to one thing. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, then when we come back, um, we, can, we can dive into that a little bit. Um, hey, also, uh, for those of you homebrewers out there, don't forget about Grog Tag, your one-stop homebrew customization shop. They have it all from reusable beer and wine labels to durable metal signs, high-quality coasters, and everything is customizable. So... Get over to grogtag.com and create with one of their hundreds of templates. And they'll print it on high-quality materials and ship it out to you. It's easy. Check out grogtag.com today and use coupon code BNARMY for 10% off on your next order. All right. We'll be back with Cleophis Quayley after this. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support. Like, brew your own magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a Brutus 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any brewer. Whether for yourself or as a gift, when you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from the brewingnetwork.com. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature March pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack. 
stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new Brew Easy. Hey, this is Julian Trego from Beachwood Brewing, and you are listening to The Session on the Brewing Network. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We always appreciate your company. And so does iDip. You can go over to iDip and check out their Smart Brew Water Testing Kit, which incorporates a revolutionary photometer system, which is the first and only one on the market with its own app. It's for home or commercial use, so all of you can use it. And it's the only meter on the market that runs water tests with no math needed on your part. It was literally built for me. Or people like me, anyway. You can test for things like total alkalinity, chloride, calcium hardness, pH, sulfate, and more. And only requires four uh, milliliters of water for each test. There's a Brewing Network special to podcast listeners. Enter code TBN10 at checkout. That's TBN10 at checkout. And you can save 10 bucks on either the standard or advanced Smart Brew testing kit. Go over to smartbrewkit.com and check it out. All right. PH being extremely important in the types of beer we've been uh, talking about so far. Um, so you might want to use it just for that. We are still hanging out with Cleophis Quayley. We've got Dan Watson in here and Jessica Clare talking to us about beer. And before the break, Dan, I was asking you, you know, maybe something or a couple of things that uh, either you were surprised about or really learned, uh, you know, since you opened. Yeah. Um, one thing that really hit me hard uh having not worked at a brewery before and not really having you know had a concept of how everything worked did a lot of research a lot of planning um when you when you build your own brew house uh particularly when you go cheap uh nothing works the way you thought it would and you just have a real hard time <sighs> that'll get what you pay for thing. our our brew kettle was a nightmare we were having right. for our first 25 brews we had a it took a seven hours to get to a boil wow and Why? What did you find was happening? Problem with the kettle design. Problem with the burner. We tried to we tried to cowboy it ourselves and uh, paid the price. <laughs> That's like the one thing you think is just going to work. I mean, it's a you have a metal vessel and you have a fire. <laughs> you would, the one thing that you would assume is going to yeah. be fine. It, it was a nightmare. Wow. Fire's usually hot, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, in, fact, in fact, we met uh, Sean and, and Nico from Twenty First Amendment. Uh, they came to visit us the day we were shoving our kettle into the back of U-Haul to drive it up to Hillsburg to get it fixed. They, oh, really? They lent it a hand. Wow. <laughs> wow. Was there just a Bic lighter under there? Yeah. It, it was a 300,000 BTU burner, but uh, it was just uh, the firebox design was, was really inefficient, and it was all going up the stack and out the side. So oh. mel- we melted our floor. It was a lot of fun. Wow. <laughs> Melted the floor, Mel- even. Yep. Melted concrete. Was the burner the, turned the other way? <laughs> right. <laughs> I probably could have told you, told you that. Gotta, <laughs> the fire's got to go up. That's so, crazy. So it, it took, took us a lot of time to, you know, to, to really dial in the brew house and get everything working the way we wanted it to. Sure. Um, you know, probably in retrospect, I would have spent a bit more money. The brew house was not, but by far, one of the, the cheapest uh, investments that we made in the, in the overall brewery. So, you know. You know, that's a lesson that 
I have learned the kind of get what you pay for and keep repeating the damn mistake. In other words, I will still occasionally cut those corners, you know, price-wise, mm-hmm. part of because of our budget. And even as I'm doing it, at least I know I'm like, well, this is going to it's not going to be that great. I'm going to have to fix some things or or this is going to be harder than it should be or whatever. It's a tough lesson to learn, but then whenever you're on a budget, it's also a hard lesson to stick to, right? Like it's not like you're making billions of dollars over there now. No, not billions. But you've learned We're making hundreds, hundreds of millions. We're making hundreds of dollars. <laughs> making hundred, you're a, you're a hundred air. Yeah. Um, do you make different decisions now when it comes to equipment though, you know, based on that? Uh yeah, you know, I th- think about how long I have to live uh, with something for and how many extra hours the pain is going to cost me and uh, right. factor that in. And that high price goes down real quick Yeah, when you look at things that way. Okay. Can Anything talk, else? Go ahead. Can we talk about your fermentation space? When I was there, you, you guys basically have built your own fermentation space or was it aging space? I forget. No, it's it was fermentation space. Yeah. When we, um, one of the decisions we made that I, that I don't regret uh, was when we started, um, we didn't have a glycol system. The only cooling we had was our cold room. Uh, we didn't have any stainless steel fermenters. We uh, um, we we fermented in plastic conicals, and we built this whole series of fancy insulated caves so we could pull air off the cold room and you know and and and, and, and temperature control our ferments. Wow! Um, uh, this is something we'd seen a lot of smaller breweries like us doing. You know, our bright tanks were in the cold room. Sure. It was a cold water tank. We had a lot of floods. Um, oh no! <laughs> yeah, but um, that that was a, that was a cost decision that I that I don't regret making. You know, we we made. Um, I think damn good beer, you know, even with 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 less than ideal equipment, and we've we've upgraded and replaced that since then. Okay. Uh, but that was definitely an important factor in helping us uh, get off the ground. Upgraded and replaced in the sense that now you have glycol, yeah, and, yeah, and stainless fermenters, and stainless out yeah. there. How do you make good beer with kind of a lower uh, lower budget? Equipment. I think that's pretty much what a lot of people lament if they're making not really great beer. Oh well, I have this equipment or I have this, but mm-hmm. how do you how do you find your standard and stick to it while you have to basically build <laughs> build other pieces of equipment? Yeah, but I mean, I think in general, good beer is good beer, and, and it's 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 all about the process and the ingredients that you use. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, better equipment makes it easier, not necessarily. Better beer, hmm, you know. There's there some there's some limitations to that, but you know, home brewers make award-winning beer in buckets. It's true. Sure. I mean, not me, but it's right. True. No, we <laughs> all, yeah, yeah. 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 open something someday. You've yeah. heard of awards, yeah. right? Well, he was I mean, clearly he, talking about tasty and beardy. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I got a third place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It w- when you were relying on just a, a like an insulated box, would you kind of try to fill all the fermenters at the same time so that way? You didn't weren't managing different fermentation, trying to keep a different temperature in, in multiple vessels. Or how I mentioned that, that we came from Google, right? Ah, <laughs> ah. Okay. yeah, we had we had we had a PLC, you know, cheap PLC, and and everything was independently zone controlled. We had we had that all under control. We could keep we could keep even the plastic fermenters within one degree Fahrenheit of, of the target temperature. So that worked actually okay. quite well for us. You just oh, so each, each each plastic fermenter had its own chamber yeah. chamber. Okay, yeah. not just all of them in one. And so, well, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this too, Beardy. You're blowing in air, though, to these chambers from the cold box. Yep. And so whatever program plus equipment that you wrote would open and close the chambers receiving air. Automatic from the, chambers, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> I think that's really cool, actually. It, it was like one of those big homebrew projects you see in Zymer, Zymer G Magazine, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, like, it sounds like the most ridiculous thing ever, but it's actually quite clever. It worked great, mm-hmm. And where, those chambers are all gone now? Yeah, we tore them out. Oh, that's so sad. Were you, you were sad to see them go. You built I, I, those. I made someone else do it. You did? <laughs> you, someone yeah, you else could. is me. <laughs> right. 
Are there other areas in brewing that your programming background has has helped? Oh, I just wrote our. Uh, we, you know, we we've just uh, we relaunched our, our brewery cult, um, and we have a, a, <laughs> yeah, a membership brewery. program. Uh, yeah, the, our menagerie of distinguished drinkers, and I wrote the whole <laughs> check-in system for the uh, for the brewery. Nice, so, yeah, it does come in handy. It. Yeah, it's it's great, come in super handy. So yeah, having having a little bit of programming ability comes in handy uh, more than you would think. Okay, especially for budgetary concerns, yeah. right? Hmm. Oh yeah. All right, how about the next beer in our glass? I believe we're about to taste Violet Delight. Can I guess which one it is? <laughs> is no. It? Oh, damn it. I'm not sure I've ever seen a beer this color before. It looks like grape Kool-Aid. It is a little Kool-Aid-y. It, it's yeah. got the perp- like a very distinctly purple character. Yeah, mm-hmm. and but you're you're 100% correct. I've never seen a beer this shade. This hue. Ever, of, uh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. You are a broadcaster. And I've been reading. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. You've been yeah. reading a thesaurus? Yes. <laughs> Front to back. The giver. <laughs> All right. Who wants to tell us about this beer, Dan or Jessica? I'll go. Okay. This was a, uh, a barrel-aged wheat beer. Um, we, we, we aged this for, I believe, 10 months. Uh, soured up in the barrels. Uh, this is very low IBU. Um, we This was inspired by... An aviation cocktail. So this is one oh. of the one of the one of the the beers that we really you know said, hey, you know, we want to make a beer kind of like this. Um, so it was very important to us that this be purple. Okay. Uh, we put flowers in it. Wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. When you say aviation cocktail, that's like a genre, or it was it, a thing. It's a specific cocktail. Yeah. It's one cocktail. Yeah. Okay. What's in that? Uh, it, it, aviation cocktail has has creme de violette, and that was that's what gives it a purple okay. color. It's a gin cocktail with lemon juice and creme de violette. Yeah, but a little maraschino. Carthay. Okay. In Disneyland. Yeah. It's a lovely cocktail if you haven't had one. All right. Uh, so we put uh, we finished this with flowers, some purple flowers that gave it its color. We also put uh, some uh, cherry seeds in there. So you get a very earthy sort of cherry note off the nose and, and off the flavor. That's from a spice called Malab. Okay. And uh, we um, put lemon peels uh, in it as well. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. This it's, one's really good. Yeah. Again, uh, in my opinion, high on the... Sour tartness side, mm-hmm. which I enjoy. Lemon peels help with that. Okay, yeah. you still get that bright citrus from the peel outside of it. Yeah, uh, but it's all it, it just layers into the the sour and the tart. Yeah, it's not it's um, not separate. It's not hidden. It's very it's very soft handed. It, yeah, it doesn't wipe out your palate. Like it right. could, mm-hmm. you, you could easily think that a beer this tart. You might not be able to pick out anything else, right? But that's not the case, especially lemon peels. Yeah, which and you know what? To be honest with you, a lot of times we have beers like that in the studio where where people, oh, this has this in it. And you're struggling to find mm-hmm. those little nuances. That's not the case. Yeah, not with this. The lemon. I, I think you're also right about the cherry. Um, it's pretty deep cherry flavor, not just like the not just the bright kind, kind of further into dark cherry. Very earthy. Earthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and all the color came from flowers. Yep. Do you think fl- uh, flavor came from the flowers as well? Very little. Interesting. To me, it, I do get some floral notes to it, and that's what I, I would have guessed it was just lavender. But is that all you used, or was it just purple flowers? A purple bag flowers, labeled yeah. purple flowers. Oh, we used uh, butterfly pea flowers. Okay. And you can just buy those petals in bulk or something. Yeah. Yeah. And you throw them in there as as petals, and all that color came out. Yep. 
Were the petals white or <laughs> they were gray. afterwards? <laughs> yeah, like what happened? I'm curious. Yeah. I, you, like I kind of know what the fruit looks like afterward. What did yeah. the flowers look like? Uh, they actually, you know, we, we extracted only some of the color when we were cleaning out the barrels. We stained our, our brew house floor purple with, really? the, with the leftover flowers. So. Oh wow, hmm. yeah. interesting. <laughs> it's not like in the cartoons where if you tilt the page, all the color runs off. <laughs> yeah. It's not like that. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, they're clear now. What what made you think of using flowers instead of something else to give a purple color? He's a hippie. Well, the the, the cocktail um, is is you know that is inspired by a uh, user's creme de violet, which is colored by violets. I see. So so we wanted to have a, a flower driven cocktail. We, yeah. we we use quite a lot of flowers in our beers. Um, that's something we 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 really like doing. We make we use elderflowers and hibiscus, and you know um, we we use tend to use a lot of different fruits and peels, and flowers, spices. So. Um, so it's a fun palette to paint with. How many pounds of flowers does it take to get this purple? In a 14-barrel batch, we put maybe 25 pounds of flowers. Okay. And does this happen? reasonable. Does, does it? Yeah. Yeah. That's does a lot really? of flowers. Because if you think pounds. of the weight of a... <laughs> right. yeah. It would fill this room. Right. I feel like yeah. you also designed something where you can drive a forklift into a fermenter. And, and that's <laughs> how many... fermenting. Yeah, that's right. how much... The, the bad part was getting all those flowers out of the barrels. That's another thing we've learned oh, is man. really be careful about what you put in a barrel unless you want to yeah. take the head off. Okay, so that was my next question. <laughs> These went into the barrels, not into stainless when right. it was yep. done. Well, that sounds ridiculous. You're also then shoving all of those down in there. Never mind getting out. Hey, that's why I have a brewer. <laughs> yeah, how do you separate out flower petals Yeah, how from do you beer? get them out? I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> Not I my problem. I love that answer. Yeah. I love that Just answer. Stay yeah. for the day and come back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I programmed my brewer to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, yeah. I am the brewer. <laughs> Put this helmet on. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I really like this beer. That came out great. Yeah. Um, okay. Now I have a new cocktail to try. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, good. You might have to have uh, Dan on the on the heads and tails now, just to talk about cocktails with you guys. Sure. Um, Are you going to open a distillery the, soon? He'll bring the flowers. <laughs> no, but my my wife works in spirits, so uh, you know, I definitely there's cocktails in my life. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, and then the next beer we have in our glass is your. Uh, I don't know if it has a, a great name. I have it as Elder Flower Saison. Is that the name? Because it is a good name. But everything else has been so clever. That is the name. It's yeah. yeah. It's. It had a more clever name, but then we decided last minute to change the hops, so that kind of killed our clever uh, name idea. Uh, <laughs> the name would have been too hard to pronounce. So. Now, before... <laughs> yeah. It would have been Hoppy New Year. <laughs> right, yeah. Hoppy Birthday New Year. Yeah. Now, since you mentioned hops, before we describe this beer, um, you mentioned that the violet was, was really low hopped. Um, and I wonder if that was to say that the others you, you generally use more hops. Do you? So I guess my question is, what kind of IBUs are you shooting for? And do you use aged hops like a, like traditional sour brewers? Or no, we're not that fancy. Okay, so <laughs> we just use less. Um, okay. Yeah. So the 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 violet, we really didn't want any hop character on it because we were modeling a cocktail. So I think we, you know, put some token hops in the kettle and got to one IBU. Okay. Um, you know, some of the other the beers, you know, particularly the, the, the less sour beers might be up to 20 or 30 IBUs. So the, the Saison, the, the Cassis, um, is, is reasonably well, hop, well hopped. Of course, they're all barrel aged for, for quite some time and that, that falls off, but uh, okay. definitely started with, uh, you know, a more assertive hop on it. Got it. Okay. So, Elderflower Saison. Elderflower Saison. So, um, this spent about 13 months in punch-ins, actually. Um, we aged them in punch-ins that previous, previously held vermouth. Were those the vermouth ones? Um, it's not called punch-ins, Pilot, because that would be oh, really good. Too late. We have, we have some punch-in <laughs> joke 
beer names. Okay. <laughs> this, unfortunately, I was don't not doubt one it. of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so, yeah. So, this has been about 13 months. It's a spelt saison. Um, so, different base beer than the Cassis and Desist. And um, we added elderflowers to it, dried elderflowers. And then we dry hopped it with Sriracha Ace. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm a sucker for Sriracha Ace. So. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I like Sriracha Ace, too. Not everybody does. Yeah. It's uh, very polarizing. Yeah. I like that one. Um, some of the lemon I'm tasting in here coming from the Sriracha. Mm. The lemon and dill. Uh, the uh, the beer itself, and then especially with the elderflower, elderflowers, were, was very herbal. It had very, like, an herbal kind of spice character. So mm-hmm. we kind of pushed to accentuate that a little bit. With the dry hop. Mm-hmm. So the dill is not added. No, that's all Sriracha Ace. Yeah, I got yeah. I I've got never dill tasted and I was it like, so strong. You know? I don't know. <laughs> I don't mind dill, don't mind but it, it does either. stand out as a flavor. I, I might not have been the biggest sriracha fan if I picked that out like that. It really stands <laughs> out in this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. nice in this, too. There's also kind of a, I guess maybe it's the elder, but there's a bit of a mint nose to it as yeah, well. Yeah, that'll be the elderflower. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It started. Now, now I'm just thinking about gin, because again, at, at mm-hmm. you know Carthay and Disneyland, they have a gin with like dill, like a gin and tonic, but with like dill. Okay. I don't know, like this and like a gin barrel. I like this a lot better than gin, I'll tell you that. I'm just not a gin fan. That's true. Um, but Liquor I do like when people, like I've had some beers where they say oh, we've modeled it after a gin, and, and then I always yeah. like it. It's just the gin in gin that I don't like about gin. The only <laughs> gin you like are the gin blossoms. <laughs> yes, yeah. not even them. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, another one also, a, a different part of the sour spectrum mm-hmm. on this. Uh, I'd, yeah. I'd call it very mild. Very yeah. mild. Um, I don't even know that. I wouldn't even say it's even tart. It's That's exactly what I was, I was going to yeah. take a taste again on. that I'm not even sure tart quite plays into. No. Mm-hmm. There's a sourness, but there's still a, an underlying beer. It's a little more Brett, a little like Brett farmhousey type of. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there more Brett in this one? Though? Yeah, this one. This one uh, we we um, did primary fermentation with a with a phantom yeast, uh, saison yeast, and uh, okay. we did secondary uh, with uh, a Brett blend mm-hmm. from uh, uh, the yeast bay. Now I think I can say I like it. I know I'm an idiot about it, but when people mention something, I go, oh, yeah, that. Even Phantom yeast, I'm like, yeah, You're like, oh, I yeah, can taste the... Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I love a Phantom Saison. Yeah. And so it does have that kind of a Saison quality to it. Um, yeah, it, there's a, a, a very malt forward also. Maybe right. more than you'd even expect the, from a Saison. It's very... Mm. And pleasant. I think the spelt really helps me at least handle the dill. Because I think if it was just an all barley or barley and wheat saison, mm-hmm. I think the dill would be too overpowering. Okay. But the, the, the spelt really hangs on and adds that malty complexity at the finish. So why spelt and what does it add that Beardy's kind of getting to here? <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> no, no, he said it. I know. I'm just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, this was actually our first spelt beer. Um, we hadn't used spelt before, and, and we, we like the... The roundness and the, the the kind of boldness of it, of its presence, and we thought that that would uh, give this beer kind of you know as you say some, something to kind of bulk up the um, the finish on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were looking for something that you know we, we tend to do a lot of wheat saisons, but we wanted something that had a little bit more um, kind of robust character to it. Okay, a little more rustic. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean saison is a huge like super open ended category, right? One of the few markers for saison is like interesting grain character. Mm-hmm. So spelt's actually a great way to get that right it adds a little something that barley doesn't um very distinct from rye as well i was gonna say or, or i was gonna say similar to, to sw- switching out rye because you mm-hmm. just want something a little more yeah yeah okay. gives it a little more depth 
And what temperature is... Was this also just fermented in, in, in the barrels? Like no primary and then goes to barrel? This one was fermented uh, primary and stainless. Okay. And then, and then secondary in the barrels. I'm just curious... Saison temperature for your you know fermentation temperature there was that on the high side or yeah eighty five ninety oh it was like up yeah. there yeah. yeah okay you just let it go yeah okay you didn't program anything to like blow wind from the northeast uh, only no. nothing like that <laughs> we're, we're not that fancy that's yeah. when he opens up a cool ship yeah I've actually hacked the yeah. weather yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right yeah he's gonna Google air from uh, Cantillon <laughs> right yeah a series of satellites that will direct the air around yeah, the earth true. I have faith in you Dan I think you could do this <laughs> uh, yeah I really like this beer too yeah uh, I can't pick my favorite. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, with this beer, the more you drink it, it's one of those beers where the more you drink it, the more flavors you discover. Yeah. The more nuance you get out mm-hmm. of it. You know, and, and you don't find many beers like that. And I think Beardy's right. The the spelt really aids in that. Yeah. That was Whoa. the key, huh? Yeah. Beardy was... I stuck up for him once yeah. tonight. You yeah. told him he's right tonight. Well, but something is something, odd. Yeah, something's. Well, I, I might not live till next week. I, I think I, this text, is my last. I texted him to say that, so I'm just really complimenting myself. Right. That's all. When I, I say Beardy's right, I told him the spelt line. I fed him the spelt line. Okay. I programmed him. So now it makes sense. Right. Because right. I was going to have a B write up his last paycheck tonight. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know if you. No my one, first paycheck. Yeah, first good. first yeah. and last. Right. Nobody get in the car with Beardy tonight. <laughs> right. Right. Truck's going to hit him. Yeah. Um, it's over. He's lucky. So, all right. We got through the beers, which are all wonderful. I just want to make sure we talk about a couple of the other things you guys do down there at the brewery. And you guys like to get involved in, in your community and some social programs as well, right? Yeah, we do. Um, once a month, we uh, partner with a different nonprofit that's local, usually to the East Bay. Um, and we do kind of like a joint fundraiser for them. Okay. Um, those are, that's our Saturday socials, so second Saturday of the month. Um, and then also on the first Thursdays of the month, we do Tropical Thursdays. Um, a bunch of us are huge, just nerds for tiki bars. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. There we go, JP. Have you been to the, these events? That, no, I, oh. I went to one, just stumbled upon one, okay. but I don't think it was it wasn't one of these. Okay, which now I need to go. Tropical so Thursday. First Thursday of the month, we make like a tiki inspired beer tale. We've done like like our own riff on like a three dots and a dash. We hit a lot of the tropical mm-hmm. like classic tiki cocktail, classic tiki cocktails. And um, we tiki up the joint, flowers everywhere. We have a DJ who comes out who spins a bunch of vintage surf tunes. Wow. Yeah. Nice. So it's basically just, you know, we do, we do a tiki out. night. I love it. <laughs> sounds great. Yeah. Got any beers aging in some rum barrels? Not yet, but we've got some on the brain. Okay. Okay. Nice. That'd be good for tiki night. Yeah. yeah. Tropical night. That's yeah. true. Right. Not tiki night. We do have a lot of tropical beers, though. Lots of p- passion fruit and pineapple things. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. That'd awesome. be cool. Should have had Dan here for our segment about uh, Mountain Style IPA. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we just did this quick uh, segment that uh, apparently Odell's Brewing is uh, putting out a Mountain Style IPA. But interestingly, one of the defining factors that they note are all the tropical notes that come from the hops. And we were like, oh, Rocky Mountains, tropical. We're not yeah. too sure about the... I've been to a tiki bar in Denver. I do not have high hopes for them. Yeah. <laughs> I've been to that tiki bar, and I'm with you. By the way, I let's, went there... Let's talk tiki bars right now. Let's go. I'm uh, into it. This one, yeah, not so good. How... how, how uh, I, I don't remember... remember it was last year. It was. It was okay. So it's relatively it was, new. It's it was last year because we went for my birthday, I think, okay. uh, and 
That seems like a great birthday place for you. I know. <laughs> Tiki bar. There was nothing else going on. I think the guy who hates like, liquor yeah. going to cocktail, let's go to a cocktail bar. It's called the Bermuda Triangle. Nobody can remember his name. Yeah. <laughs> it was called a drift. Great name for a bar. But Nailed it. It was a drift. So we're on the same page here? Yes. Uh, it was just friendly, yet terrible <laughs> service. Um, and then, yeah, the cocktails were about $1,000 a piece and not really all that wonderful. I hmm. remember ordering a drink and they were like, oh, we actually can't make it. We're out of maple syrup. Okay. And I was like, wait. wait. Yeah. Yeah. Maple syrup. Should not yeah. be, One job. Should right. not be, a tiki well, there should not, not tiki... be maple syrup in this drink. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's an interesting problem. That's weird. Yeah. The Canadian tropics is where that uh, recipe comes from. <laughs> yeah. right. right. Sounds like the owner of that place is a lot like me. So I, I, I got this idea. I want to open up a, a tiki bar. Yeah. Oh, you know a lot about tiki bars. Absolutely not. <laughs> Literally nothing. <laughs> I know nothing. <laughs> but doesn't it sound like a good idea? Right. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to have to come to your tiki night, uh, tropical night. Yeah, that Please sounds good. do. Yeah. First Thursdays. First right, Thursdays. And when again is the social? Uh, second Saturdays. Second, first Thursdays and second Saturdays. And, of course, you can go over to Cleof.us uh, Cleof, uh, and check out the website and, and see events there. Uh, see places that people can buy the beer. Is that on the website yet? Or they can just call you and ask. They, they can email us and ask. And they'll get an automated response that you programmed. Yep. We definitely, we definitely recommend they come check out the brewery. That's where all of our stuff is, and uh, you'll get the, the best availability, the best yeah. lineup. Okay. It's a good spot. It's a nice, friendly friendly place. Everyone's dog really friendly. nice. Dog friendly. Ah. Kids, I think, too, right? There are a bunch of kids, kids hanging around. Walking Games, around with the dogs on the yeah. Well behaved adults are welcome, too. Yeah. <laughs> Riding the dogs, actually. Grown ups on leashes. Uh, yes. Right. As, as they should be. <laughs> that's a different night. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I'll come to that one, too. Yeah, you will. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for being in here with us. I appreciate it. Uh, you coming all the way up from San Leandro. Absolutely. And uh, also for bringing us all this wonderful beer. That was really a pleasure to taste. So, Jessica, Dan, stuff. appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, love it. Uh, I'm going to have to get down and check out that tasting room. Um, all right. So we're going to get ourselves to a break. And when we come back, we are going to drink more of this beer because nice. we've got some crowlers sitting on our desk. Let's go. And um, you guys sell uh, crowlers out of the, clearly, out, out of the tasting room. Nope. Absolutely. Yeah. Quailly. I always Quailly. Quailly. Quailly yeah, out of the tasting room. Quailly. How long have you guys been doing that? Since the beginning? Or? Uh, we've only had a crowler <laughs> machine for about six months. Okay. September. Mm. We bought it in September. Were you doing growlers before that? Yep. And we still are. But, you, are. you know. We, we want to give people a choice. Okay. Is, now, I'm just curious. Is it because people like them, or do you find it a better packaging? Is, is there any difference between a growler and a crowler in terms of, you know, fresh beer? Yeah, there's a small difference, you know. Both are, both, both are filled at the tap, so both are going to have some oxidation and then limited sure. shelf life. Um, you know, we try to be careful with the crowlers as well, but... Uh, um, yeah, it's most, mainly for us a, a matter of preference. You know, yeah. if, if you if we if we want to have shelf stable beer, we won't fill it at the tap. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, you you got to yeah. buy the bottle then. Yep, that makes sense. So it's more of a consumer thing too, which right. I think is cool. Yeah, uh, people love them. That's for sure. Uh, I had some folks here uh, from Germany uh, who are beer people, but they're like you know they're German beer people, and they're kind of into craft beer. But they we I took them to one brewery. They had never seen that thing before. They're like, what's with the giant can? It's a giant the can. Giant can. can. Americans dog. always overindulging. And yeah. now one of them uh, said almost that. One of them, uh, Daniela, those yeah. of you who have been listening for a long time, she thought it was ridiculous. Weird. You know? yeah. But it's and, basically a liter. How could she say it was ridiculous? Yeah, just because. It's not in traditional glass veil. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not in a stein. Right. 
And the other one, Flo, he was into it. He's like, it's a giant can. What's <laughs> not to like? It's yeah. very Homer Simpson of him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he thought it was the coolest thing. I yeah. really like this 32-ounce version instead of being stuck at 64 ounces because I don't want to drink four pints of a beer typically. Really? Yeah. Of, of, <laughs> typically, yeah. I said. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm all in for four pints. Unless it's a Pilsner right. or something. Yeah. Ooh. Like a Hellas. Oh, I guess I wouldn't have four Some people have friends. Of, That's a lot. Uh, Some people have friends. Not in this room, uh, Yeah, I don't yeah. know what that means. Yeah. Have you met us? Tasty maybe <laughs> has friends. Yeah. The rest That's of a us. A lot of friends. We're not even friends with each other. It's true. It's so ridiculous around here. It's true, Mr. Crossley. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks again for being in here. Um, uh, let me get to another chance to let you know about a class over at White Labs, because you still got time to sign up for it. So if you want to gain more in-depth, uh, a more in-depth knowledge of yeast, uh, join White Labs on March 13th. It's happening in just a couple days. Uh, 13th and 14th for their Yeast Essentials 2.0. It's happening in San Diego, uh, and it's a two-day workshop. But you don't have to go all the way to San Diego. You can sign up for their webinar. Uh, so just go over to whitelabs.com slash education. That's whitelabs.com slash education. And you're going to learn about uh, fermentation control points, tips for maintaining optimal yeast performance, and how to develop desired yeast flavor compounds. You'll learn all sorts of methods for off-flavor detection and sensory evaluation of techniques uh, of different strains, as well as how to properly troubleshoot different fermentation problems. So check it out uh, at either in San Diego, if there's still time for you to get there, or at their webinar, go to whitelabs.com slash education. That's whitelabs.com slash education. We'll be right back after this. This is Matt Reynoldson from Firestone Walker Brewing Company, and you're listening to The Session on the Brewing Network. All right. Hey, thanks to Cleophis Quayley. Cleophis Quayley Beer Company for hanging out with us. Dan and Jessica, it was good to have you in the studio. And it was good to have your beer, which I, yeah. still, I still got a line of them in front of me here. Plus some crowlers to get yeah. through. Yeah, we, same, dude. Oddly enough, we all kept our glasses. Yeah, we don't usually do that. <laughs> yeah. We're like, no, Bebo, do not take those. I'm going to finish those. We've got some refills going. Yeah. I like that beer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, excuse me. Ugh, I was having a sneeze attack at the sick, break buddy? there. What's going on? No, I don't, don't know. It's more allergies, I think. No. Doesn't that have to be pollen in the air for oh. it to be allergies? Or love. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm allergic to that, too. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> You're allergic to air in general. All right, uh, real quick, don't forget about the Branding Brews podcast. It's a deep inside look at everything that uh, revolves around branding and marketing a brewery. Uh, brandingbrews.com. They interview industry professionals covering in-depth strategies and, and topics like labels, packaging, websites, social media content, trademark, marketing, and more. Whether you're in sales and marketing or you own a brewery uh, or you're looking to start a brewery, the Branding Brews podcast is for you. Go to brandingbrews.com uh, and subscribe to the show wherever you like to get your podcasts. All right. How about our Twitter game? Let's go Twitter game, baby. So, I like that you made this one personal, JP. I did. Now, you know, why not? It's on my mind, and I speak what about is on my mind. Okay. Right? So, what was it again? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, That's what's on his mind. Something about a baby. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, moved on from that topic. No, it's uh, Alice's first birthday today. Uh, God bless a real one. Yeah. And uh, we want to know what life advice our listeners would give to her that they wish they had gotten. When they were one. When they were when they were one, yeah. 
Congrats uh, to you for actually uh, keeping her around for a whole year. That's true. an accomplishment. Yeah. Bro, I tried. And you did it. I tried. No, I tried to give her away and get oh, rid of her okay. several times. But, but Taryn uh, did, uh, did a nice job. Well, well right. So then you failed. Right. Well, <laughs> the, the thing about kids is that their bones are very pliable. Right. They bounce. And they bounce. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I learned that. It took me a couple times, but okay. I learned it. They'll get harder. <laughs> Eventually. Just, but so just keep trying. Yeah, but she'll just get bigger. So. And oh, by okay. then, it's too late. It's too you're, late. You're, you're like, attached. People what? will know. They'll start noticing that the she'll kid's not around She'll start having a memory. Anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. She can dial 911. Yeah, like what? How, how come? How come all the pictures have like a hole in them? It's like Taryn and JP with a hole in the middle. Uh, we um, researching a serial killer. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, what did people have to say? Well, we had a couple good ones actually. Uh, Jesse said naps and being spanked are only a punishment for the first third of your life. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty, pretty good. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Joe Herring. I don't know. Tough. It's going to be tough to beat right, that exactly. one. Uh, that's that was coming really good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Joe says, naps are a gift from heaven. Do not squander them. And find yourself someone who looks at you the way Justin looks at a pack of smokes. Mm. Also. Me- meaning you want to consume them in and a then fire. You want to light them on fire. <laughs> and inhale the ashes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not a very loving look. No. Right. Believe me, I don't have a loving relationship with these yeah. things. <laughs> we're, but we're angry at each other. Uh, Brandon says, get your traveling in before kindergarten. You'll have no time once you start, and your Facebook feed will be nothing but younger kids with no responsibilities traveling to parks and playgrounds during the day, and you'll be bitter and jealous and angry. Hmm. Okay. It's not like he's bitter and jealous. Yeah. I think. Uh, project much. And then someone called Jay, but his uh, his uh, handle is just4bn. <clears throat> Okay. So I think oh. he created a Twitter account just to play the stupid game. Interesting. Okay. Is, I don't know. I feel like we should get a cut from Twitter, but whatever. Yeah. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> he says, don't settle for a quarter. Kids these days are getting $5 a tooth. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that, actually. I think uh, I've wow, inflation's like real. Yeah. I gave Abby $5 for her first tooth. What? See? Only her first though. tooth, though. Oh, and then everything and we, else. Well, but we were on vacation, and I only had a five dollar bill. And yeah, but drunk. doesn't and it, you were wait, drunk? Wait, Bo, uh, doesn't it set a precedent? Like, if you gave her less after that, isn't oh no, she, I like, gave her less gives? after that. And she didn't ask, like, what's up? Like, no, she didn't feel like she had disappointed right. the tooth fairy. She no. can't actually do math. Really? Yeah. So she has no memory. She forgot that she got five dollars. We yeah. live real close to a refinery. <laughs> what did she yeah. do with the five dollars? Good question. She actually kept it. She still has it. Wow. Oh. Under her mattress, like a real investor? Yeah, she still has it. It's in her wallet. That's stupid. (laughs) Spend it. I was going to say, I like that there's one smart person in her family. (laughs) Rude. (laughs) She just happens to be eight. How old is she? Six? Seven. Five. Good effort. Thank you. (laughs) You can open a bank account with that. Yeah. Get some interest. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Don't put it in a paper bag and put it under your mattress. Right. Or wallet, or as you wallet. call it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, my ATM is uh, Tempur Pedic. Thank you very much. All right. What's next? That's it. No, oh. wait. Is, oh. is there. Hey, hold on. Let me make sure. Yeah, yeah. That was it. Only three good ones. Let me see. Oh, here we go. Here's another one. Let me let me copy it. And I'll paste it. It's from Sean. Can't just read it. No. no. Can't do that. <laughs> no. Uh, it's from Sean, and he says that you can't start paying back your student loans if you never leave school. <laughs> Uh, that's mm. that's not bad advice. That's not bad advice. Defer them forever. Uh-huh. Right. But they stop giving you as much money the longer you're there. 
That's probably true. Doesn't matter. <laughs> right. That's actually more to the point. So you, you, it's not like you're racking up an enormous amount more debt. More debt. You, your <laughs> loans go down, but you still ain't paying back them big ones. <laughs> yeah, but how do you keep going to school? Part time. Side job. You have to take one class. Yeah. Okay. To defer. Yeah. All right. Defer. All right. Well, I didn't figure that part out. Yeah. <laughs> Go over to deferforever.com. And you'll, you'll learn all about it. It's my, okay. new, it's my new website. I think it's E40's new album. <laughs> Defer, Defer Forever. forever. Yeah. With a number four. Uh, of course. Yeah. Mm hmm. Well, I mean, I think there's a clear winner here. We can go. I, I agree. With we you. can go through all the nonsense, but I think <laughs> the the best advice to For give sure. to Alice is yeah. clearly. Naps and spankings are only bad for the first third of your life. It's true. There well, you go, Jesse. Yeah. Nice one. Yeah. Good advice. Good advice. That's great advice. He must have read that somewhere. No, <laughs> nowhere one of our listeners, no way one of our listeners is that clever. Somebody told him that. Yeah. True. Somebody, some listener of another podcast that's smarter <laughs> told him that about our podcast. That's right. That's clearly how that JP happened. texted him. <laughs> that's true. I, I wrote him. Yeah. Check this out. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. I want to thank once again Cleophus Quayley Beer Company. You can go to cleof.us, cleofus. Uh, yeah, I get confused with the dot com. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cleof.us and learn all about them. I do recommend you go check out their beers because uh, they're very good. I'm happy to have gotten them in the studio finally. That uh, was really nice. Good job, JP. Thanks. Uh, next week, we got Sun River Brewing Company on the program. And I want to remind you once again uh, that Springfest is upon us. I don't care if you don't live in the Bay Area. You should fly out here for this. We've got over 60 breweries. Uh, we have to turn breweries away now, Tasty. Wow. Um, well, we were really popular from the very beginning, so I'm not too surprised to hear that. Yeah. yeah. We end up with a, with a great <clears throat> beer list, and brewers are just really happy to come out and pour their That's beer. That's why so. we're so popular. Uh, brewers Oh, yeah, it's they, not because... They bring their best beers, too. Yeah, yeah. It's not because of anything else we do. It's the beer <laughs> that gets there. Well, so. They have uh, an expectation that we'll be good. Yeah. So go to thebrewingnetwork.com. You can get your tickets. I recommend you do it sooner. You're going to pay Bevo more at the gate, so uh, do it quick. All right, JP, you ready to get us out of here? No. Okay, you'll do it anyway. <laughs> but uh, Tasty, <laughs> Beardy, it. thank you, Bevo. Great things you do sometimes. Question mark? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Question mark. I, I, I'm kidding. You did, you did wonderful. I yeah. actually didn't do this. JP did. I know. And that's why I thanked him. Right. Yeah. Okay. You don't listen either. All right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you to our show sponsor, More Beer. You can get absolutely everything you need to make great beer at home by going to morebeer.com. Thank you to the folks at Cleophus Quayley. For joining us from San Leandro. They're out from San Leandro. They make some great sour beers. Check them out. Go to cleof.us for more. If you can't get enough of JP and Bevo and you like Disneyland, then go over to earsuppodcast.com and, uh, you know, download some stuff or whatever and become a Patreon supporter so they can buy more toys for the cats. Get on Twitter for some good beer inside and homebrew info and follow Nate Smith at Nathan Homebrew. Mike McDowell at Tasty McD. Warren is stuck over at Another Beardy. JP knows Twitter is dead, so he's on Instagram at Major Jip, and you can find Bebo there as well somewhere stalking uh, Target's new sales. Uh, be sure to find the Brewing Network on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. JP's an asshole Justin's a nice guy And winning the race JP does great as his charity